I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch presents the Halloween Spooktacular Anthology Edition. Hail Ratma. voice sound to start this if you like attractive voice sounds <laughs> who boy. is that the new neil cicerega who boy is <laughs> that was a good one for you um yeah where we love to watch and it is our most holy time of the year it's our spooktacular our annual spooktacular coming on the heels of we're a movie podcast we pick a theme we do movies over the course of the month around that theme and if we remember we compare and contrast and we've done a whole month of anthology horror movies, and we're capping it off with our Halloween special. Uh, this will come out the weekend before Halloween. Uh, but it's good, because it's probably going to be fucking long. So you're going to need the whole weekend to get into it, where we're covering every VHS movie. Now, not every movie released on VHS. I think that would be likely too much effort. Yeah, and I you know, I start crying when we, we get to powder and... Because the director who made it is a, should be in jail and he's not. <laughs> Hadn't thought about it from that angle, but <laughs> then I cry on a metatextual level, you know. Yeah, and because like Sean Patrick Flannery, like you're, he didn't have a great career after that, but did he really deserve one, or did do you, is some of your previous goodwill from him sap because he appeared in Boondock Saints? You know, yeah. it's, it's tough. It's tough. Do to I gauge. just like him because he's he's handsome and he's a short king. Is he a short Irish? king? I. I I, every movie I've seen in him, he seems he, he's got the short king. Well, it's because you're a tall, tall prince, and so you you think <laughs> most people are short kings. I feel that <laughs> way. I was at a, I mean, you're you're when I think like an inch taller than me, but I was at a we we did like Sean a, Patrick Flannery is is five eleven. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, it's it's because you're a tall prince. You thought it was edit a short all king. this out. Yeah, um, edit it out. Yeah, he's five, he's five eleven. I mean, he's not. He, he's he, if he had a dating profile, he definitely would say he was six feet tall. Yeah. Unfortunately, Google does not lie. <laughs> <laughs> it can't. It's against the rules. Yeah. So we're but we're doing all the VHS as a horror anthology uh, produced by some of our favorite mumble gore uh, indie horror film directors. Some of them that hadn't really broken huge when they. I mean, huge is very very relative term for these movies, but I mean huge for. For horror lovers and horror cinephiles, before they directed segments of this movie, and some were like kind of on an upswing. But these are, I think, like for a from a series perspective, these are just remarkably consistent movies, and they're basically doing. Uh, they're doing uh, unlike the the rest of the the horror movies that we covered this month. That were essentially like a specific vision uh, executed by one director. 
these are actually a better representation of where I think most modern anthology movies fall. There's exceptions, stuff like the Mortuary Collection uh, really kind of harkens back to the creep shows and some of the uh, some of the other like 70s and 80s anthology horror movies. But kind of what's in vogue today is you have a theme for your anthology horror movie. And you get some directors to all do a their take on that theme. That can go from everything to something like the ABCs of Death, where the filmmakers get a letter uh, of the alphabet and have to make a uh, a very short film on it. it. Can go to something like an XX, where um, it's uh, it's female horror directors uh, making movies specifically, or even something like Nightmare uh, Cinema, which is basically just Mick Garris knowing people. <laughs> And saying we should make a movie for that'll get released to, to streaming. That is kind of what most anthology horror movies are. And as such, there's more than ever, I think, just because they are there are the ability to get these great horror directors to as to kind of do a, a short version with a ton of freedom on a limited budget over a week and kind of tell a story that maybe they've had in their head that uh wouldn't they either couldn't get the budget for or just wouldn't make a full length movie and I, I don't know if VHS kicked off that trend but it really feels like it did and VHS's hook is that these are all found footage horror movies that the framing devices protagonists or whatever you'd call them are watching on on VHS so it's also a genre that Peter and I defend a lot and say how much we actually enjoy and how many good examples of horror films there are it's actually not a genre we've covered much on this on this podcast because uh, we we haven't really done it feels like if we did a found footage month like we would do a found footage month and we just haven't done that yet someday we will we have yeah well, this is this is a great chance i mean uh, i should back up i mean i th- i think the vhs movies specifically are one of the reasons i started to turn around on found footage because i think it was easy to be like oh what a lazy filmmaking technique when you're you know when they're pumping out paranormal activities every year and stuff like that and and like anything else like the torture porn genre or all the other different subgenres where there are a lot of popular bad examples, as you dig into it, you realize, oh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of bad examples like there is in any subgenre of horror film or any other genre. But there's also a ton of good ones. And VHS, I think, is worth talking about because of the some of the filmmakers involved, but also because it has way more hits than misses. Yeah, I'm pretty fond of this series despite... Um, I'm pretty fond of this series, despite, you know, having some uh, real annoyances with some of the, the tonal shifts they have in, in, in the series. And, and the fact that there's a bunch of directors in here who, you know, <clears throat> very easily could have just phoned in their, their option. I think Ty West kind of phones his in. Yeah. Um, who was, who was the, I mean, when I first saw the first VHS, that was the one I was most excited about. I think we're going we're gonna to get to where we're headed here at the end of all this. I think... Not to tip my hat too early. That's my least favorite of anyone I've seen so far, uh, excluding yeah, framing it's in devices. My bottom, yeah, it's in my bottom three. Um, yeah, the framing devices are also all pretty bad, um, except for ninety four. I think is really good, um, and I think the one in two is serviceable. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about we'll talk, we'll talk a little about. bit about the framing devices. I don't think we haven't yeah. talked about this. I don't think we should rank the framing devices as part of the shorts. No, no, we're gonna rank them separately right now. Oh, okay. well, we can't, we can't. Oh, yeah, we, we can't we, do it till the end. Yeah, we can't do we it till the end. So that's the other thing. So when we say we're covering all the VHSs, we mean all the VHSs. We're actually recording this 
in two segments, but you're going to hear it all as one episode, uh, where we're going through the movies VHS, VHS 2, VHS Viral, uh, VHS 94, and then what will be released on October 20th uh, on Shudder, VHS 99. And at the end of all that, we're going to do... Uh, the uh, the gargantuan task of ranking all of these segments um, from top to bottom. So I think I, I actually didn't rank them yet, Peter, because I wanted to wait until like I didn't want to. I wanted to wait till I saw ninety nine to do the ranking. Um, but I, I definitely have a sense of like what's in my bottom, what's in my what's in my top right now, and knowing that you know ninety nine could blow that out of the water, or it could really stack the bottom if it goes in a much uh, in a more depressing direction. But I think based on this series track record, I, I'm not that worried about it because even VHS Viral, which I avoided for a long time because everyone said, "Oh God, this is terrible." I disagree. I think it has two. Great segments, one okay segment, and that's it. There's three segments. I mean, uh, the the framing device is too long and sucks, but the segments themselves are uh, have as good a track record as any of these movies. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I just think that the first one uh, leaves a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, and what's interesting is that the first one very much rings of what horror felt like in the early um the early uh, 2010s which is uh, a lot of these guys that make mature interesting movies now um also were prone to making movies with a lot of like hey i want my college buddies to be in this movie yeah (laughs) so it had some like young douchey guy kind of family guy energy um oh yeah for sure because even though like house of the devil doesn't have that the framing device of this movie does <laughs> yeah um so like there this this comes from an era of horror where a lot of like the the the, the um new generation of like horror royalty was like growing up even if they their movies themselves were serious they would still have like this imbued energy of just like yeah man i just like want to hang out with my you know my other uh probably alcoholic <laughs> mid-20s guy friends forever. Yeah. And all power to you. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily make for a movie where I care about the characters. I want uh, them to succeed. Um, it makes for an okay set of people to get mercilessly slaughtered in the first movie and some some in the second. Uh, as the movies go on, they sort of mature and they, they touch on different types of characters and different types of people as opposed to sort of this like slacker frat boy class of guys because i think there was a little right what you know in 2020 2012 that by uh you know uh vhs 94 last year in 2021 that right what you know changed because they a lot of these guys had had full careers i think this actually happens between vhs and vhs 2 where it feels like the first vhs movie is like Let's do a short version of a found footage movie. And at the time, a lot of those found footage movies like Paranormal Activity or some of the other like, you know, As Above, So Below, some college friends bring a video camera or even something that, you know, is 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 horror horror related, but not a full horror movie like a Cloverfield. They kind of follow college buddies and the type of people that are bringing cameras around. And so the whole vibe kind of has that sense where they're they're making short movies in the found footage genre, which heavily skewed between that kind of like, you know, a husband and wife uh, fighting. Like, why do we have the video camera being a huge part of it? 
And a lot of times why they had a video camera is, yeah, they were college friends going out for a night drinking. They're exploring on a vacation. They're a husband and wife who are videotaping their life with their kids or something like that or putting security cameras up. And so, like, that lends to, I think, a certain narrowing of what kind of stories you can tell. And something that I think starts in VHS 2 but really starts to explode in VHS Viral in 94 is this idea of, Instead of trying to make a short found footage movie within kind of the confines of that, what if we take other genre, other like subgenres of horror movies and do a version of what that would look like from a found footage perspective? So you have a cult movie from a found footage perspective. You have an alien invasion movie from a found footage perspective. You have a weird uh, satanic parallel universe from a found footage perspective. Uh, you know, you have a skating video and and like demons rising from the dead, like. Uh, and on, and, you know, on and on, a weird body horror, like, you know, the uh, Tetsuo movie from a found footage perspective. You you just end up, I think the filmmakers try to flex away from being limited by the genres, uh, or the, the conventions of, we need to figure out why they have a video camera first and foremost. And by VHS 94, they're coming up with creative ways to tell, tell interesting stories, uh, and interesting genre exercises from the perspective of found footage. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And at the same time, so that's what's in the air, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, the horror, uh, the sort of horror uh, community is changing a lot um, because it's already moved online, right? But it's moving into it's moving online not just for a. Um, like a communication and web blog kind of space, but it's moving into digital distribution space. It's more yeah. movies, more movies are being made for smaller, a smaller amount of money, but like digital distribution companies are, are kind of stepping up um, to fill that space. Yeah. I and mean, it, it's, 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 allow- it's just really quickly to interject. Like it, it wasn't, it was, I remember when I first actually started using that, what was like at the time called Netflix instant, um, and that was 2009, 2010, and almost no one was using it. If you had Netflix, you had a disc company, and the idea of, like, primarily – I remember how quaint it was to, like – I had Comcast in, like, 2010 and 2011 that, oh, instead of going out to the video rental store um, or waiting for this to come to Netflix or whatever else, I'm going to rent this via Comcast on demand or something like that. So it really it, – like, it feels so – prevalent like to the idea that um how could we have ever existed without like everything available at any time to rent or watch and that everyone has nine different streaming services but like it's it it basically was uncommon 12 years ago and yeah you're right peter it started to kind of really grow only about 10 years ago to the point that it was ubiquitous yeah yeah because there's always been an indie horror indie horror movement it's just the uh, the way that the distribution channels allow people to make money affects how the movies are made right so uh the story behind the vhs movies uh is it involves the website bloody disgusting um which started out as a blog and then it became sort of a horror community home uh and then that uh they started partnering with amc networks and a group called the collective which i think was probably where the money came from yeah um to create a distribution company called bloody disgusting selects and they put out some really cool movies in that in that space they put out um like notably i really love the woman by lucky mckee it's a cool movie um and like 
then they started getting into Brad Miska, who is one of the founders of Bloody Disgusting, uh, f- through these movies made connections with, um, you know, the, that era of, yeah, the mumble gore, mumble core group of people and their surrounding circles. So like um, Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, he worked with when he produced A Horrible Way to Die, um, which is a movie I quite like. Um, it was a cool, cool uh, indie horror sort of serial killer movie. Yeah. He, he also, you know, he met David Bruckner and they very quickly became producing partners. Once he met Joe Swanberg and Amy, AJ Bowen, which AJ Bowen was also in A Horrible Way to Die, Amy Simetz, Ty West, um, the, the group known as Radio Silence, um, and the other guys and, 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 and uh, folks who work for um, ha- have made these like horror shorts and horror, uh, horror debut. Um, they started forming a larger horror community uh, surrounded by Bloody Disgusting to make the VHS movies uh, because Brad Miska was like, I want to make, I, I, I think that I can make v, uh, uh, anthology horror an answer to, okay, I have a lot of, I know a lot of talented people getting one movie made is, is pretty tough. What if we divvy up this this budget and just let a bunch of, you know, uh, we we let a bunch of very talented uh, young people who are like hungry to sh- to you know um, show off uh, play around with this money, and either we get you know we we become legends because of it, or no one cares because in this space the space is very forgiving, right? Like um, you don't have to make very much money to make your your buck back. If it's bad, people just go, that's eh, a bad horror movie, whatever, you move on. Your career is not ruined by making a bad movie or a bad short within a horror movie um, or something that the horror community finds kind of gross. Um, your, your career is not ruined for that. Uh, and uh, he worked with David Bruckner uh, to get this the series on its feet. Um, and though some people have rotated in and out, like Simon Barrett, uh, is notably is, is a big, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard are notably, um, kind of stepped away from VHS viral. And then they came back for 94. Yeah. Uh, or at least, at least Simon Barrett came back for 94. Um, yeah, it's kind, it's kind of, didn't show his dick this time though. <laughs> Not this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting story of these, these, um, creative voices who have made a lot of like the classic cult movies of this era. Yep. Um, the guest and house uh, of the devil. Know. Yeah. House of the devil. Now we've got X and Pearl coming out, which are like, is like the new era of those, those movies. Um, David Bruckner is making the new Hellraiser movie. Like these are uh, the preeminent horror voices of uh, this era. And then they team up with, um, hey, like, if you can work with Nacho Vigalondo or uh, Timo T- Tejanto, like, absolutely, you bring them into the fold and you work with them as long as possible, right? Yeah, so, yeah, this is definitely, like, and uh, I rewatched all, I mean, f- four movies, you know, basically a, a couple days is a lot, and it went down so smooth, like, it's, you know, essentially, what, six hours a movie? I didn't get bored. I wasn't like, great, got to get through 94. I think I watched three of them within like a 24-hour period. And it, it is amazing how well they hold up. I hadn't seen any of the first ones since... I think I watched twice when it first came out. I, I haven't seen any of the first ones since then. I have seen... Um, I saw VHS Viral at 94 recently. And then I have seen two a few times because... Uh, two, I think, is the one you end up showing to people. 
because basically because of safe haven but i mean the whole thing is pretty good yeah i've watched two uh a lot more than uh one um because uh safe haven and the alien abduction tape are so good so so good i I love Um, the i love the blair witch directors uh segment I, i i think that's the one that has the uh maybe the greatest rate it is my favorite still i think i know i think you're leaning towards 94 which is an acceptable answer peter yeah right now as of right now 94 is my favorite overall but we will do all that ranking at that of segments at the end let's get into what the what the fuck vhs1 was all about aaron you want to talk about v h s thank you for pronouncing all the slashes and yes i do it's very annoying sometimes when you're typing in the name in certain search engines. I think Voodoo and Shudder. Sh- Shudder, I couldn't find it. I was like, it what the confused. fuck? <laughs> it's a Shudder original or I know. Uh, I type in 94 and then it popped up. So I can start. Let's do the uh, framing device of the first VHS. Comes out in 2012. Uh, some big name directors. We'll talk about them, or soon to be big name directors for nerdy horror people like ourselves. Um, that was a yawn I leaned into for a goofy voice, Peter, and I just I went with it. And I don't know if it made any sense in context, but uh, I feel like the stereotype would be more like Edge Lord. <laughs> Like yeah. basement goth kid. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Peter. I'm sorry. Let's down with that analogy. It's a stereotype. It doesn't mean it's factually way. accurate. I'm I, not fact checking. I guess it. clearly I shouldn't be covering the VHS movies. I should be covering the beta test. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I may have seen by this point. Uh, all right. Uh, the VHS framing device is fucking terrible. <laughs> Like it's yeah. not terrible in the same way. It's not terrible in the same way that VHS viral and that it's long and it's boring and it's like, like it makes no goddamn sense. I told I messaged you when I started this. I'm like, holy shit! I forgot that this was this was like, uh, <laughs> what, what 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 a way to start a movie. But essentially, I, I can like all right. So. So one, there's a guy who is filming his, him and his girlfriend having sex without her permission. Yeah, and she she catches him, uh, and then yeah. walks out of the room. Two, there's a shot of them um, attacking a woman and her partner in a parking garage and lifting up her shirt to get the boob shot, yeah. and then running away. And then them in the car talking about how that there's some sort of like amateur porn company that's paying them money for this. Yeah, um, and then. Three, them just smashing up an abandoned house. And then four, breaking into a house to steal a VHS tape. So in my mind, these are not the same thing. Like one and two are crimes that you should be put in the ground for. Yeah. So those are se- that's sexual violation on some of the deepest levels. Yeah. Right? Um, that's unforgivable. And sure, it feeds the monster of... Uh, Hey, if you're watching slasher movies, you just want to see people get eviscerated. It, and if you it, don't like those people, all the better. It also using... feels like they're trying to be like, let's let's make sure because this is new. People don't know what this is. Let's let them know you're, you're going to see some na- some 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 naked 
nudity. <laughs> Every single segment in the first movie has this douchey has a douchey joke about people having sex on camera, and I was like, guys, it is two thousand and twelve. Yeah. People people have been ha- people have had cameras for very. You know long about time. pornography, right? Like it's. It didn't DV like digital video cameras on tape are now old. Yeah, like the like this is this is so long. The that DVD the came that out in nineteen ninety eight, but yeah, VHS camcorders have been the thing that replaced VHS camcorders has been replaced. The idea there's no longer a novelty. People have smartphones at this point. There's no longer a novelty of being like, hey, so you should you know you want to film me. Uh, want to film me getting naked like, yeah every single one of these segments has a joke about fucking on camera and i it, it does kind of feed into this like douche bro energy of the first movie and so back to my back to the thing i was saying the, the first that, ha- the think, first half of the first movie i would say I, yeah i think the yeah, last yeah, two seg- about the last two segments which are by far the best two segments which we'll talk about i think it does go away from it but man this started out in i had member part of the reason Peter, and this is where six years ago me was so wrong. Part of the reason that we did Safe Haven when we did our anthology episodes were like, look, VH1 is obviously the more complete movie, but VHS2 has the best segment. So we'll save VHS for some episode that we'll do, and then we'll pull out the best episode from VHS2. I know that what this is like pre-viral and pre-94, but like, oh my god, was six years ago me completely wrong about that. Yeah. I'm glad that we did what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, but like, in my mind, uh, property crime and breaking into people's houses or, or breaking people's uh, windows in, out in an abandoned house or whatever to steal a VHS tape. Like, property crime is a sort of like nihilist scumbag thing that I can I can still be like on these people's side. Like... I can find them annoying, but I can still be on their side. Once you once you introduce characters as being like um, rapists, yeah, as sexual molesters, yeah. uh, I I can I can't forgive them at all. Um, and so what's kind of interesting is that as you point out, like they're not really characters after the intro of the frame; they are just kind of dispatched because they watch a tape and then they either disappear or they're found dead. Yeah, I mean, and they do die, which I like. Um, but <laughs> big fan. Yeah, a big fan of that. But again, it still feels like we're... It's kind of like when we did Death Wish 3, right? It's the old canon thing of, like, it doesn't feel like they're making anything like, man, look at these fucking punks. Like, they're about to get what they deserve, which I think is in in some ways like a fair horror movie premise, right? Like, these assholes are terrible, and we're going to use the horror movie genre to... Uh, you know, destroy them. <laughs> like there's a there's a place for those kind of movies. This doesn't feel like that because there's the yeah they're found dead blah blah blah. But like it feels like they're trying to alert the audience that there will be naked people in this movie. Um, in a genre that sometimes really exploit like their their nudity is very exploitative and and gross in a lot of cases. And they chose both of the the ways that they were going to show nudity in the first five minutes of this film to be various versions of assault. And so it it does feel like the old canon uh, or the Death Wish three thing where we're like they are very clearly showing nudity during a rape in order to show nudity and be titillated by it. And I do think that's happening here. And I don't They care. want to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, I don't I think the canon callback is probably right. They want to have their cake and eat yeah. it too because they both want to be like this is evil. Yeah, these, the these guys are the jer- look at these evil. jerks. We're going to kill them later. But they're also like 
a lingering lurid shot on boobs. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I understand that, like, they're just not going to get paid for that job if they don't capture the boobs. Uh, but you're not. It's only fifty dollars. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying there's a price where you should assault people, <laughs> but I mean, even just even just from an economic standpoint, fifty dollars split among five guys to assault someone, sexually assault someone, is uh, is is. It feels like you're doing it for the love of the game. Is all. I'm yeah, saying. yeah, you're you're uh, you're not in it for economic necessity. Yeah, uh, yeah, this isn't gonna pay your rent forever. It's not like one of those movies, like do a ho- do a horror movie premise where you do a horrible crime, feel bad about it, but at least your your kids can eat. What was minimum wage uh, in 2012? Probably the exact same it is now, Peter. Um, <laughs> was it better than was it better than ten dollars an hour in in the state they're in? No, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, um, so so that's the framing yeah, device. Did. It's bad. It's gross. It's I, the, definitely the worst part about this movie. This this yeah, the worst part of this movie. Uh, why don't you take us to Amateur Night, Peter? Which amateur is the, one of the other worst parts of this movie. It goes from douche to douche. So yeah. Amateur Night is about a bunch of uh, cackling frat bros, like that kind of stereotype. Um, Doing doing bombs, looking for women to take home, and then uh, covertly film having sex because one of them, the quote unquote nice one of the group, who looks like if if you haven't seen the movie, just picture Ben Folds. <laughs> he looks like uh, he looks like I uh, assume he's uh, been he's been he's had uh, been divorced less because <laughs> he is a college. He looks kid. like an unfunny Paul Rust. Yeah. Um, but uh, he has video glasses on, and the and the movie's uh, frame is that literally, haha, is that uh, the the video glasses are capturing everything that's happening, and it starts off they're just partying in a hotel room. They clearly are like traveling to like go party in different cities. Like I don't know, it's like a spring break. Thing. Yeah, and he's jealous of his two more typical looking, uh, more jo- jocular looking like college friends. And they kind of are dicks to him because he doesn't get laid as much as they do. And uh, he's like, he's hoping that he basically will like get some uh, by by hanging around these two like Tucker Max s figures that he's gonna get some some runoff sex from a drunk college girl. Yeah, I, I say the good the good one in quotes, right? The yeah. nice one in quotes because he is he sucks too. <laughs> he has neither the commitment to humanism nor misogyny, like full misogyny. Like <clears throat> he he doesn't have like this like commitment to this brutality. Yeah. But internally, he he, he does think women are objects. He's yeah. just too he's he's just too um uh, uh, he has too many guardrails to keep him from fu- fully committing to horrible acts. He's just the good one because it's all up there in his head as opposed to uh, out there. Like he's unable to um, he's unable to treat women the way his two his two friends do. Yeah, he's rocking the suburbs um, for sure. <laughs> so uh, they go out to they're doing bombs. They go out to a bar. Um, they pick up uh, a few women. Um, and then, uh, there's a specific woman that keeps fixating on our protagonist and it has this really cool effect, um, where, where the, the, because you're following his eyes, the points of focus are on other women, on his friends, on his beer, whatever. But, uh, she, uh, the siren, uh, played by Hannah, uh, Fearman, 
um, who also plays it in the movie Siren, which is a feature-length, um, non-found footage. Yeah, that we may um, talk about near the end of this, because I think both of us are going to yeah. try to watch it for Spooktober. Yeah. It's got good um, reviews. Has, yeah, and she has that eerie sort of big big eyes kind of look that like yeah. Catherine Isabel and Angela Bettis have, that sort of like, yeah. like you know, just very severe. Um, and the ghost and, and the grudge. Sta- yeah, she, yeah, she's just staring down the barrel. Like she is just like whether or not he's looking at her, she's just staring down the barrel with these huge focused glance, like unblinking glance. And it's a uh, it, it, in a found footage context. I'm going to give this one more credit than um, the Ty West one because as a filmmaking technique, um, using that as a way to communicate eeriness that someone's watching you when you don't know it. Because the camera is literally like your perspective and you're focused on something else happening in the bar. And then you realize like, oh shit, <laughs> like somebody's been staring at me this whole time, uh, is is worth calling out as like a technical feat. She is way too quiet. She's very, uh, her voice is very like bird-like. Like she's, she's very like yeah, I hope they change. quiet and like her voice gets a little high it's, at times. It doesn't quite work because instead of like, I think what you want is almost a curious or lustful intensity. And instead what you get is like a person who is brain is dying in front of you. And like, like they're almost catatonic in a way that feels, um, uh, that's adding to the overall uncomfortability of like, uh, what consent means among this group. Yeah, so they they bring back two women. Um, the alpha Chad bro of the group is um, is trying to make out with one of the women, trying to to fuck one of the women until she fully passes out, and he's like trying, he's like smacking her face, he's, he's, and then he's up. still trying. And the and one of the stupid laughing friend who won't stop laughing. I don't know what character choice that was, but he, uh, yeah, he's like. He, I've been in that room though, where like there's just a guy who's so fucked up, and he's just like he doesn't know. And not in that specific room, but I mean like in that room before, where you're just surrounded by a bunch of dudes that don't know how to communicate, and so one of them just th- pretends like it's the funniest thing in the world to get over a point of conflict. Yeah, because um, he, I mean, he is kind of. He, I don't want to defend him, but he he's he's very lackadaisically going like, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that." Because look how look how drunk she is, dude. But he's not going to get off the couch. He's not going to stop anything. He'll sit there and laugh. But yeah, yeah. So they're they're without getting into the specific details, they're trying to like wake the rouse this woman up, and then what ends up happening is, <clears throat> um, because she won't wake up, all the attention turns to the siren because she's very timid. Yeah, she's very quiet and. Uh, one of the guys uh, starts uh, having sex with her, and then one of the other guys tries the to step guy, in. Yeah, laughing guy walks out. Laughing guy is up. like, you know what? Yeah, well, this is if this is what the night is. Yeah, and then uh, he gets a horrible gash torn in him. Well, yeah. So then the the, the, the Ben Fold guys in the bathroom like, God damn it. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's like motivating himself. He's, he's like, shaming himself to yeah. He's he's trying he's trying to get his his game face yeah, on to commit sexual assault. My friends are assault. having sex with my 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 deer in headlights. Fucking yeah. That's why I kept saying the nice one in quotes, right? Yeah. Well, um, and he, then, well, then he kept well. He walks up too and is like, eh? a, th- a third for dinner, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. she's like, so, she's shaking his head, her head at him. She's like, please don't. Yeah, yeah. She's like, uh, she's like, I'm willing to have sex with this one dude for whatever her purposes are. But, you know, once the second guy gets involved, she bites him and then she continues on with with the first yeah. guy. And then she starts tearing him the fuck apart. And like the saving grace of this sketch yeah. is how brutal 
um, how brutal she is. Yeah, why it rises above the Ty West one, I think. Yes, is because you actually do get to see these horrible guys that you fucking hate get torn apart. And then um, they all, the, the, the Kathleen guy and the Ben Folds guy hide in the bathroom and because they're hiding from her. The Kathleen guy like tries to put his game face on to go like beat her up because um, they know their friend is dying. He runs out and he's like, he's like, uh, all, all fucking, uh, you know, gung ho. And the moment he sees her, and she's, like, knocked over a lamp and shit. She's standing in this, like, hourglass, eerie, like, hourglass shape, almost, with, like, her, uh, like, standing as, as tall and as high as she can with her arms dangling down at her side. And she is, like, uh, so, sca- so scary. She rips his ding-dong off. Paul Rust guy, um, Ben Folds guy, uh, freaks out, runs out. Like I said, watching these guys get torn up is incredible. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Uh, almost worth the first half. Um, yeah. And then uh, he runs away. She grows wings and yeah. catches up with him. Yeah. And, the, and, and at, that's kind of the end. She Well, she tries to please him. Yeah. And then he's like rejects her advances. And then she puts her talons into him and then flies off with him. And then the last shot is the, the, um, the camera, has, his glasses have fallen off. So he's being carried off to either be food or a forcible mate for her. Yeah. Um, and the last thing you hear is him saying, it's not me I'm dying for. That I'm so <laughs> yeah. The- She's a breaking up, drowning slowly yeah, you- off the coast. Hey, and Peter, did you know that's about an abortion? <laughs> do, you, do you think that this, do you think that the siren needs an abortion? <laughs> yeah. We haven't seen the full length version, so let's see what else they add in there. If it is, if like it got good reviews, so I have to assume it, it's not found footage, so I have to assume it's not this. But if it is eighty minutes of the douche boat bro thing, only to have ten minutes of the siren, I'm going to be fucking pissed. That's exactly what I said. I need the the, the douche bro attack thing to happen yeah. early. Yeah, I need to know and what happens after. Be, and then I need her to abduct the main guy, and then that, go from there, or just something. completely rework it so we don't have to spend time with those yeah. guys. Uh, Aaron, do you want to take us through Second Honeymoon? Yeah, sec- I took t- way too long on, on Amateur That's Night. That's fine. Second Honeymoon is by Ty West, uh, which was the one I was most excited about. And uh, it's uh, I think you make the case this is the worst out of all of them. And I love Ty West, one of my favorite horror directors of the last 15 years. I don't know what he's doing here. Um, it does star... Um, shoot, why? I can't... Joe... Uh, 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 the fuck is his Joe name? Swanberg. Joe Swanberg. I was like, Joe Wright is not right. But then <laughs> but then as I thought how it wasn't right, Joe Wright stood in my head more and I was I was gone. Yeah, Joe Swanberg, who directs uh the fourth segment, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but he is uh, married to a, a lady, and they are on their honeymoon, and they're just go you know, traveling around uh and videotaping again again this is a really good example of like we need to figure out how the camera exists first and then we're gonna do a movie and that's like not the way that you should do found footage you should accept that who cares why the camera's there and do a movie from that perspective but this one is very focused on this honeymoon they're filming certain things and some weird stuff starts to happen she um they have like this uh this big fortune teller machine that kind of implies like she is at risk essentially and she makes bad decisions, she lets people control her life. 
And so you kind of think that maybe Joe Swanberg is going to be a, a weirdo. Then all of a sudden this woman shows up at one of the, the, the motels they're stopping at and asks for a ride. And he says no. And then you see this segment of like the someone using their video camera that we've seen these segments from videotaping them at night and having a knife. And so like clearly someone is breaking in and doing these things. And now you kind of know, OK, well. You know, both Joe Swanberg and his, and his, his newlywed bride are, are getting filmed. So there's, you know, some weird stalker following them. So that kind of continues until all of a sudden the next time that someone breaks into the hotel room, suddenly, and this is like the one minor thing I like, is like how sudden and surprising it is when all of a sudden the knife plunges into Joe Swanberg's neck and he dies uh, and bleeds out. It's very graphic and it looks real. And I like that. Um... The twist is that it wasn't Joe Swanberg who was in on it to be with another woman or to, to to take advantage of her, but that Peter, in this world, lesbians exist, and a woman can like a woman. And it was actually that woman who wanted a ride and has been filming him was the wife's secret lover, and the end is them driving off on their I, – I, I presume that's the second honeymoon. <laughs> it's the one after Joe Swanberg dies. Um, and she's like, well, don't get me on camera. And then it cuts off. Uh, and it's, yeah, like I, – I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty boring. It's not doing anything interesting. And, like, I'm not saying the twist is offensive, but it does feel like the twist is a woman can like a woman? In, it does have the it does have the Joe Swanberg thing for the first part where you're like, oh, you just captured a kind of boring slice of life, um, like them travel. I think it, I think they're traveling from like Texas to L.A. It's my my indication, traveling back to L.A. where they're from originally, um, and like uh, the two themes in this like are in the whole movie are men are trash, which is sure like I'm gonna expect you to make a good movie around that, but yeah. Agreed. Um, and then number two is uh, everyone wants to shoot a sex tape in this world. And like one of the only times that I remembered in the first part that this is a horror movie is he, she's like changing or something, and then he does this like awkward like, like, hey, so maybe baby we could do, so maybe we could do, to, hey, don't put your shit back on, so maybe we could do, and she's like politely asking him to stop. Uh, and then she like sort of plays with him a little bit to like get him not hurt his feelings, but the answer is no. Um, and like that is that is I think that's like supposed to be sort of like the hinting that like that like hey if you're paying attention at all you should know that she's not happy in this marriage. I, well, but they just know. got married. It's like so I, that's part of my thing too. Is like again I'm not saying you can't be unhappy and like feel like you're corralled into a marriage you don't want to, but like. And this doesn't work for, you know, one of the Tales from the Crypt episodes, we said, man, there's too much plot going on here. This one, and this is sometimes a Ty West thing with style over, like, specifics of the plot. But this is, like, it's hard to not see this as blah without knowing the specifics of the plot. Like, why did she marry him if she wanted to be with this girl? Shouldn't she have just been with the girl in the first place? Like, is she a serial killer and she's, like, finding victims? Like, there's, like, there's... There's definitely a way to make this, like, interesting and compelling. As it is, it's just like, okay, what what the fuck was that? Why did she, Why did anyone do that? Like, it reminds me of High Tension, where they're like, I'm like, okay. Like, you know, I'm starting to get a little creeped out. And then at the end, like, the very, like, last chunk, they're like, oh, what if this was homophobic against <laughs> lesbians? And you're like, oh, 
what if not? Like, I would love to call this movie pointless, but that would be kind of generous. Yeah, like, um, it doesn't feel offensive. It, it just feels like... I don't understand why anyone did anything they did in this movie. And as such, it's like... is the, It feels like the big twist is that uh she's she's uh doesn't like dudes she likes women or she likes both i mean again like or she's by like there's nothing here what's i i don't understand what the twist is i really don't i think yeah, the so this, i think this, the only twist that you could say is that you were supposed to think joe swanberg was the was the in on it and creepy and going to set up a murder and then instead a woman does it yeah, so at the banality yeah. of it, actually, I would be celebrating if the ending was good. Yeah. Um, but the banality with an ending that is, yeah, at, at worst, uh, extremely homophobic, at best, pointless, um, is is, uh, is a lot. Like, there's little moments like the fortune teller saying that, telling the, the, the wife that you'll have a happy reunion with a loved one. Like, that's stuff that's fun on second glance to pick up. Um but no, this. But how does she know? The... Why was she date? Why was she married? Like, if there was something about like they were a religious couple and he was like super Christian and forced her, in, like again, there's yeah. a lot of things, Susan. small things, to make something here interesting, and instead it ends up being like nothing. Yeah, this is this is where this is where uh, not being a super uh, uh, unsubtle tales from the crypt kind of approach hurts you, where you're like. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that was super obvious, but it was rad. Like, yeah. you're like, the point of that episode is don't be greedy. Um, yeah, they were just, it just was vampires, but it was rad that they were all in that restaurant. Like, you know, there's there's yeah. ways, there's definitely ways to do it. So, Peter, why don't, we don't need to spend more time on the bad. Let's yeah, get to one on. that actually uh, was better than I remembered, uh, while also uh, making all the all the characters worse than I remembered. Um, Tuesday the 17th. Um, it's obviously, it's a Friday the 13th. Riff. What was uh, that? Directed by Glenn Mc... It's, it's a Friday the 13th. No, no, um, Peter, it's Tuesday the thir- 17th. Oh. I don't know what oh, relation. I, I mean, Friday the 13th is a different date, but I don't I don't know how that would relate here. Yeah, you're right. Just putting a date in the title is not enough of a connection. You're absolutely right there. Um, directed by Glenn McQuaid. This one is, I actually ranked this one uh, decently high, uh, high middle, whatever. Um, the digital, dist- it's basically about um, a bunch of douches. Um, <laughs> with very unclear character motivation. Yes, uh, some douches go out to the woods. Um, it is, it ends up subverting itself in a moment. But um, we find out that there were some murders in this particular part of the woods um, in previous years, and uh, they they think they're just out there to party. They kind of are friends with the main girl. <clears throat> um, I'll call her the final girl. They're kind of friends with the final girl, but they, none of them are actually friends. That's what makes this kind of at least, you know, f- frictionally interesting is that like none of them are friends. She brought them because they're all friends with her, but none of them even know her that well or her backstory yeah. that well. Um, so you find out that she kind of manipulated all of them into coming out for some sort of purpose that you're not really sure. And she starts leaving like very direct implications to them like, she literally says to one of them, you're all going to fucking die up here. Yeah, I think what um, makes that worse, because someone's videotaping, what makes that work well is that 
you've started to see these weird distortions that aren't actually there in the camera that are like dead bodies against a rock and then like he hits the video. I thought as she as she started talking directly to the video and saying weird shit, at first I thought that was part of whatever like distortions was happening. Yeah, so that's what's kind of interesting is that they're using the digital distortion as a means of accessing something uh, from a different time or a different dimension. Um, maybe that's the same thing. Um, that, that That's actually uh, hiding within the static of the world that the video camera picks up. Yes. This is not just the ghosts are there and they're appearing. They're seeing flashbacks to the past through the digital distortion. It's really cool. Yeah. And then she's, so they're all like, hey, I remember there being murders up in these woods. And then she, like, they're all getting high. And uh, trying to have she sex. says, the weird thing is, I don't remember what he looked like. Um, so she's like sort of confessing, but she's also doing the thing that stone people will do when they're not very nice friends, which is fuck with each other. Um, <laughs> and she's, she's like, oh, I was just fucking around on both, both the accounts. The, I, you're going to fucking die up here and the other thing. And, um, and she's like, that's the other thing that, I, that bothered me. How could he be in two places at once? And then the group starts getting hacked apart by this assailant who is, it's, it's almost impossible to make out what he looks like. He is essentially all digital distortion. It's really cool. It's really it's, cool. It's, it's, it's essentially of someone like, you know, those kind of like pictures that are like, this is Obama from a bunch of other pictures of Obama or something. It's like, yeah. what if you tried to draw the um the adjacent type figure using only pieces of video distortion yeah yeah so it's 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 um this is the one um i think of almost all the vhs movies um or almost all the vhs segments that like i paused afterwards to think about the implications and like what was like literally being said yeah well yeah it's true because it kind of has the like hey if they didn't bring the video camera would anything have happened yeah, and if they didn't bring the video, it would like it was bringing the video camera an active act of summoning him, or was it the only way that they would be able to see him? Yeah, and her, and she's bringing her friends up to as bait that it, well she she kind of thinks she's figured out. I had trouble seeing him; it was happening too quickly. But if I know he's coming, and I bring these these dum dums here for to get killed. I'll be able to set traps and do things to, to kill him as revenge. And that's that's the part of the story that is doesn't work for me. Like, she's a bad character. Her motivation's unclear. Why did she come back at all? Like, it doesn't make any sense. She's coming... Oh, I think it totally makes sense. She's coming back for vengeance because they killed... Uh, she's the final girl from a previous horror movie, basically. She is coming back But her, back pl- her plan is just so bad. Maybe that's because... She's, she's willing to sack... Her, her plan... Kind of works, though. She gets him in a bunch of deadly traps over and over again, and she has a few tricks. She There's glitches in video and sound when he's close, and she uses that oh, as a yeah. means of detecting him. And what that reminded me of is, do you remember old uh, PC speakers? Yeah. And if you put your, like, Razor phone or your brick phone near it, it would make, like, a, a an annoying noise. It reminds me of that. Like, he somehow has a distorting effect on electronics, because he's such an unimaginable, time-shifting, time-phasing, maybe interdimensional thing. Because he can exist in multiple places at once. So if you kill him, you'll turn your back, and then there'll be another one of him. And, like, there's another thing that, that, that like, are, are they in some weird pocket universe or an area, like a thinny from the Dark Tower books? Like, are they in, like, an area where, like, the, the, the lines between reality are thin? Because... 
Joey is one of the guys who gets killed. He's like wandering after his own death as like sort of like a zombie. And I think he like he's really far from where he died. And to me, that implies that he somehow wandered through a pocket is somehow zombified like through this process and is now just like his soul is like wandering as like a, a, a like a ghost. The, the question that I have is, is he an interdimensional killer that is some sort of supernatural thing? Or is he some sort of psychotic killer who took advantage of this, like, Blair Witch pocket dimension area of the woods? Like, was he just a crazy person, a, cr- a psychotic murder guy who, like, took advantage of this, like, pocket universe so he could just, like, kill kids forever? Or is this pocket universe, like, an access point for some sort of force that's inherently evil that comes through and hacks people up. Like there's a lot of strange kind of mystery to it that I really like. Yeah, me too. I really like this one. Um, It, I think part of where some of the stuff is like when she's like telling the one guy who's out swimming, like, do you have sex with me? Oh, you like some of that stuff is, is bizarre. Like, I'm not quite sure. It's all just kind of part of her weird fucked up plan to like, she does a weird vibe. she, I think she's I think it's sort off, of a, a clumsy it's a clumsy cabin in the woods thing because she's trying to oh to, to make a horror thing happen yeah I guess that tracks um they brought they brought a I'm I'm using archetypes this is not what I actually believe they brought a nerd they brought a bimbo and a jock yeah but yeah but yeah I, I I'm, I'm glad you like this one I actually wish they did it they went a little bit heavier with the distortion effect on him because sometimes you can actually just see like gloved hands and stuff yeah. and I was like I kind of wish that he was, like, more cosmic horror Yeah. Like, I kind of wish that he was, like, <laughs> such a an unimaginable thing that I can't even, like, really place what what he's pretending to be. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the next one, which is my favorite one of this movie. Uh, the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. Um, and this is directed by Joe Swanberg. And it does something, like, really fun for these. I think this is... This is probably the only one that's really trying to do something besides just people got, you know, teenagers have a, or college kids have a video camera. And it is uh, a, a Skype calls between this doctor and his girlfriend. And he's at medical school or doing something, a residency. And they're communicating over Skype. And, the, you know, the conversations are like she's waking up and she is talking to him about nightmares she had and about, um, uh, you know, these these things she's having. Meanwhile, she has like a, a, a something in her arm that she's starting to pick and stuff like that. And he's like consoling her and saying, you're probably imagining it. I'm sure it's nothing. But also remember, like when you were a kid, you like you fucking tore into your leg and really like almost destroyed it because you were like having these dreams and these nightmares and like, don't do that again. Like that would be bad for you to do. And he's like, but I can't come there for like a whole nother week. So like just, you know, all these things, just please just chill out. I'm come there, go to sleep. And she keeps waking him up in the middle of the night, hearing these noises and eventually, um, you know, she starts uh, bringing the laptop around to show him in these extremely scary sequences. I think definitely one of the most scary. Uh, again, just the laptop moving the first person perspective and these weird jumps and bumps that are happening is really well done. I, I love it quite a bit. And you're kind of like, oh, there's a ghost situation happening or something. Um, you do you do feel like her boyfriend is way too nonplussed about it. Like at one point, it's like, 
he basically sees a little monster run out of the room and he's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was the wind. And it's like, what the, you saw a little fucking thing. And she keeps asking him to record stuff and he just never can seem to record stuff. But again, I, I, for most of this, the first time I saw it really chalked it up to that idea of like, he's not a good boyfriend and he's wake getting woken up at three in the morning. Um, so eventually she's like, look, I, I get scared if I see stuff and I run away, but I need to know what's going on. So please record. I'm going to walk around with my computer. Uh, and meanwhile, she's like dug this giant crevice into her arm, um, because she feels like there's something there, something bothering her, like incredibly disgusting. And he's like, just don't do that. You're going to get infected. I'll come look at it in a week. And you're watching this wound and you're like, this is not, this is like a go. I'm going to call the police and help you right now. Um, so I love that kind of like something's off with him or is he just a shitty boyfriend? Anyway, so she goes around with the laptop pointing at things and she's like, hey, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden we do see like these little monsters and she passes out. And then the camera, the the videotape sits on the or the Skype chat sits on the ground. And all of a sudden he, he, there's these three little monsters that hover over her and he walks into frame. The boyfriend is like, what are you guys doing? Like. I, I, I'm technically not supposed to be here. If she wakes up, this is going to be a big problem. And she, he's, like, talking to these creatures and complaining about, like, they found the tracker in her arm and now she dug it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll fuck her up a little more and make her seem like she she fell down some stairs or she hurt herself. And then she, like, ex, he extracts a baby from her stomach. That's like an alien. You find out, like, you figure out these are aliens. And, she, and he's like, how many more do we got to do? Like, she's not doing that well. And you know they're they're speaking alien gibberish back to him and then you cut to the next day and she's like sad and he's like yeah you really fucked you really hurt yourself last night that's not good behavior emily but i'm gonna be there soon and i love you and i miss you and then he basically goes from that camera to another girl and uh it sees his perspective where he calls someone else and basically has the same type of conversation so the twist and all the stuff here is that like he is working with these aliens to breed from human women. And like, that's his thing that he's doing. Uh, it's creepy. It's got a great twist. It uses the found footage stuff. It's one of my favorites that they do. Yeah, it's pretty good. I remember not liking this one. Interesting. Um, because I felt like it was overstuffed when I, I saw it originally. Now I really like the amount of, Con- the, the the sort of mystery that it ends on which is like does is did he love these women previously and now he's forced to farm them even he's like how many times am i gonna have to do this to them like almost like like he's he's, he's under control one he's known he's at least he's, he's also not getting paid money like if somebody came in and just handed him money <laughs> yeah. for a for a weird little like clone fetus you're like that's not a mystery the fact that he has some obligation to these like ghost aliens and the fact that they're goat they're aliens that pose as ghosts yeah and and they like that is in that's interesting like there's there's a lot there, my appraisal of this was way higher this time than last time because of that fact yeah it it has that so mystery. much weird stuff and i i think my, even my first time i'm like when you know the twist all of his like oh it must have been the win or forgetting to record it or like not being that worried about this open gash that she's trying to dig a utensil into it's like some, something feels like, why are you not understanding the magnitude of what's happening? And then when you realize it's like, oh, yeah, because he he at least is he's trying to downplay it so that no one else gets brought into this situation. Yeah, yeah, he's um, yeah, he, he he's uh, a complicated figure for those like 45 seconds or whatever that final shot 
Um, and he, we, we get just enough to leave a, a creepy mystery in our head. And I, I, I actually like that. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the proper amount of, of world building for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it stays in my head a little bit. I love this one. Peter, let's take us home. This is my favorite one of the movie. Second, se- it's um, my second favorite, but it's very close with, with, I, I mean, I, I love this one too. But, this is directed by Radio Silence. I think both of us are going to end up watching The Devil Inside this month because of this. Yeah, so um, Radio Silence, really quick before you get into the plot, like, I guess because they stopped referring to themselves as Radio Silence and started, like, putting the actor-director names for the movies that they've been doing, I didn't connect that these guys have basically directed a few of my absolute favorite horror movies of the last ten years. Yeah, they're uh, remarkably, remarkably clever Um and I understand, like, why you'd want to use the radio silence thing. I also understand why you'd want to get away from it. Uh, you work in Hollywood. Eventually, you do have to have a name. Um, yeah. But um, this is just very, very clever. Well, and Really quickly. So they've done is... Southbound, which we love, that we maybe could have yes. done for this anthology. They've done Ready or Not. And they've done the new Scream movie, which is really great, too. And now they're doing the sixth Scream movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um. They also are doing, they do subversions to this formula in the very first movie, and they do subversions to the Haunted House formula in a way that I don't think the other segments are subversive of the genre. This this movie, this short reads as a nerdy response to uh, horror history in a successful way. Um, I do think that Tuesday the 17th also kind of does that, but in a way that's like a little bit more like... You know, if maybe if they had an extra eight minutes, they could have really made it work. But instead, it's 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 the length it is. This one's called uh, ten thirty one ninety eight. Favorite detail in this one, right off the bat, uh, a bunch of guys are going to a party. These guys are not douchey though. No, they're just they're just they're, they're very just relatable as a, they're very relatable as a group of guys. I felt like I was these guys when I was in college. Like the um like they'll fuck with each other, and then one of them will be like. Hey, you actually hurt me, and he'll be like, "Oh, dude, I'm so I'm actually sorry." Like, yeah. this is who, who who I hung they're out. They're not they're not talking just... about like we got to go get uh, chicks. They're talking about like their costumes and how much fun they want to have, and yeah, they're looking to like make friends and have a good yeah. Halloween, right? And they're 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 silly. Uh, favorite detail here: they're, they're in the car, and since this one takes place in 1998, uh, ska is playing on the radio. Adore that. Um, but uh, they show up to the wrong house. Um, also, because this is the... Ne- they're like already like... They're like, oh, it takes place in 98. What can we do? Okay, they're listening to Ska. Also, they don't have um, smartphones or a, a Garmin or anything. So they're just confusing street names. They're like, they're like, is it this type of tree or this type of tree? In a way that like I remember doing in high school being like... Because by the time I got to college, I had a smartphone. But like... Um, <laughs> I remember doing in college being like, oh, it's on Oak. No, it's on Elm. Like, all right. Whoops. Um, (laughs) So they show up to what is theoretically the wrong house. It's a massive house. They walk in. They think it's a haunted house. They think like, oh, it's a party. But like, first you walk through a haunted house. And they spot some stuff. They're there. They think they're there early. They put beer in the fridge. Good, good, good party guess. Right. They put the cases of beer in the fridge. They start spotting stuff that's, I think, the scariest stuff in the movie. Um, and they go, and and there'll be stuff off screen where, like, half the party will have been like, oh, my God, there was some, like, weird hand coming out of the wall. Yeah. 
And I don't know how they did it. Like I touched the wall and the wall was flat. Like they, uh, something is off with this house, but they think it's a haunted house at first. Very subversive and very funny. Like this alone could have gotten them a scream movie, I think. They are, uh, they go, they start following upstairs and they see what looks like an exorcism happening. And then one of the guys is yelling something like the power of Christ compels you or whatever this movie's version of that is. Um, and then they start all chanting because they think this is like a theater, yeah. like production thing. Yeah, like a hell they house. They're like, yes, yes. They're like excited because they think like they're in a haunted house and they're just, you know, helping along at this point. You know, they're just they're just kind of in for the fun. And everybody in the room freaks out. They're like, who the fuck are you? Like, get get the fuck out. There is a live, actual, real-life exorcism happening. And all of them, it slowly dawns on all of them that it's real. An incredibly creepy detail. One or two of the people performing the exorcism or related to the party being exorcised, the young girl, gets dragged up into the abyss. Yeah. Into this darkness. It's not that they get dragged up into the ceiling of the attic. Yeah. And they're like pinned to the they ceiling just or some shit. out of existence Boring. basically they are blinked yeah. out of existence yeah. it reminds me of the Volta horror one with the the uh, magic rope yeah. when you get to the top you just see something horrifying and then you just blink out of existence and it leaves a blood stain yeah. it's like that they all run out of the house as you're wont to do the house is starting to freak out the but um then they as not douches go they're like fucking hurting that girl up there. Like, yeah, they we, basically get to the door and are like, "Hey, like, that sucks. We need to save her." They're doing what? They're doing what? Like, I think you and I would probably do if we were friends in college. Like, oh, that's not an actual exorcism. That is like a uh, cultic abuse of a a teenage girl. Like. We need to go. We need to do something. And so they all they all run up the stairs. They kind of there's some jostling behind the camera and they start trying to get out of the house. And then you get some really rad first person uh, haunted house shit. And one of my unforgettable details is when they go to the front door, the side door, and one of the windows just shrinks and then disappears. Yeah, and it all feels like I don't know if they just are hiding it so well with the grainy VHS footage, which is one of the things that make these helps I think some of the tonally these movies, but it feels like it's all practical effects. I mean, obviously the hands and some of the other stuff, like the, the house just starts attacking them in a way I've basically never seen to that intensity. Like hallways are shrinking, stairs are doing weird stuff, arms are coming out. It's just incredibly sudden and intense. And they they have to eventually because so many doors are disappearing and like the front door is gone. They have to go through the basement. The basement starts freaking out. Hands coming through the walls and shit. And um, they run out through like you know the cellar hatch. They get in the car. They've got the girl. They get her in the car. No, they don't get her and in the car. She refuses to go in the car. She refuses to get yeah. in the car. But then they get her in the car. No, they don't. Yeah, they do because she disappears. Oh, that's from out right. Of the yeah, car. she she does. So yeah. they so they get her in the car and they're driving away and then the car stops on train tracks a bunch a ton of birds hit the window she's outside yes. of the car screaming at him and then and then they look and they're like oh my god she's not there anymore no. and then they realize that a train is coming but it's the sort of thing where even if they knew the 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 seatbelt buckle trick do you know the seatbelt buckle trick uh if you're ever trapped in a car you have a lot of lakes near you if you're ever trapped in a car and you need to get out of the car Use the seat, unbuckle your seatbelt, and use that to break the window. Yeah, I mean, what I'm planning to do is, of course, just uh, wait for the divers from the film The Game to rescue me. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's. Um, I assume it's all Sean Penn playing a trick on you. You have a different sort of paranoia, which is not that the game is fake, but you're that the game is. It's real. all my. It's all my safety rails. <laughs> <laughs> you like the game they, got they're me. got me yeah i mean it's warm embrace i'm not trying to figure <laughs> out anything about it i'm just trying to live my life and make sure there's guys in scuba gear coming to save me yeah absolutely is that um, any but yeah, different you, than a guardian angel peter so anytime anything goes wrong in your life you are like all part of the game I, i'm gonna get, i'm gonna get gamed no i think that it is like in some way this is gonna turn around because gotta have more plot twists i can't just lose my job I have seen so many seasons of that uh, show Scare Tactics now that if I was in the woods and a fucking Yeti with blood going down its needle-thin teeth came up to my tent window and just started screaming through the, like, you know, the mosquito netting, I'd be like, where's Tracy Morgan at? Yeah. (laughs) My immediate reaction would be like, I'm being pranked. Somebody was like, he loves horror movies. Yeah. Um, we're going to sign him up for a new prank show on a a sub-network of True TV or something that I've never heard of. Yeah. That's the other thing. I don't have cable. So if there is a, if there is another, another season show like of Scare that, Tactics you going you on. You won't even know. I, my, I, I anytime know. I watch something scary with Maya, my daughter, she always asks if I would be scared. Always. And I always tell her the same thing. Yes. Like, if, even if it was fake... If, if if a guy was walking down the street, just a guy, and he came up to me and screamed in my face, that would startle me. I would not be expecting that from that guy. So if it was someone in a realistic monster costume, I would also be scared. Yeah. I mean, like, just, I watch horror movies and I'm very brave, but, like, I am very startable. Startable. I'm startable. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, as, as somebody, um, who does not have nerves of steel, um, and knows that nerves of steel is likely a, um, probably a Hollywood myth, uh, I'm fine with admitting that I get, I get spooked. Like, I don't want to go on the zipper at the fair. Like, I like, well, I like roller coasters, but that's a fucking, it just whips you around in in an unsafe cage for a while. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I love... I love 103198. It is um, one of my favorite segments. It's great. I did debate whether that one. It's just a classic haunted house. Mix them up. You like these guys and they get out. So this actually is uh, a, a movie that, you know, you have those moments where, like, I remember being so scared. Uh, I remember watching um, a Lost Highway in high school and I was watching it alone in my basement when I was 17. And there's that scene where uh, Robert Blake's like, I'm at your house, and I fucking turned it off. I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> like, cannot, cannot continue to watch this at night by myself in a basement. I'm, I'm out. Uh, uh, the Innkeepers actually was a weird one, like, right after that fantastic scene with, like, the, the ghost that sits up in bed and just stays too long. And I was like, I don't know, like 30 or something, 29, 28. I was I I didn't turn off the movie, but I did go turn on the lights in the house in my apartment. I was like, no, I, I don't like this. Uh, yeah. Too scary. This I probably had one of the biggest jumps of my life, and and it's it's partially related to the movie and how wrapped up I was in it. But I was watching it at night, some Friday night, one in the morning. I was with Sean. I was I'm still with Sean. <laughs> we weren't married yet, but we were living in our first apartment together. And you were with your ex-girlfriend. I was with my ex-girlfriend, current wife. Also my ex-fiance. Ex-fiance, 
current mother to um, three of my kids, Ex- which is the tw- ex-fiance. That's pretty tough. You had to you had to pay a bunch of money to get out of that. Do you think one, if right? you say uh, the ex-fiance and mother to three of my kids, um, while all of that is accurate, anyone would like it? It all leaves a lot of influence. How many kids you have? Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you married now? Yes, to Shauna. Same same person. She evolved. Um, it's like it's like you just don't want to you just don't want to limit yourself. I, I like you know it's there's that funny tweet that I think about all the time that's like uh, someone wrote that the dinosaurs existed over eighty years ago, and there's like a paleontologist <laughs> who responded like this is technically accurate but I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, I, I think about that a lot. Anyways, uh, so I'm sitting and watching this and like and I'm tired. I stayed up too late. I'm about to go to bed. This is the last segment of a two hour movie. And I'm at the part where, like, I'm, like, creeped out by all the arms coming out. And somehow Shauna has made her way to the living room and didn't notice. And I didn't notice. And, like, every light off is just the glow of the TV. And she's like, Aaron. And I, like, fucking jumped out. Like, literally jumped out of my seat, Peter. Because I turned and I just see her illuminated by the TV to my side. And I freaked the fuck out. Like, uh, and then I laughed hysterically because of how scared I was. Uh, yeah, great moment. I mean, it's really hard to replicate when you're watching this movie. Um, but but uh, definitely a scary movie moment I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, VHS two. Um, how do you do? How do you do? Originally SVHS and released one year after VHS because uh, the original movie was making money at such a clip that they immediately pushed yep. it into production. Julian or Gregorian calendar year. Uh, they're going full Gregor. Wow. I didn't know they had the months for that. Um, they're Gregor in it. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think this is the best all around, but really quickly. So Adam Wingard actually directed the, he was heavily involved in making this. He directed the wraparound segment in the first one, which, yeah, because he's a good director. I really like, but that's a bad segment. Simon Barrett. He also cameos in it. He's one of the guys who gets. Yeah. Simon Barrett does the wraparound for this one. His writing partner at the time, um, and uh, it's it's based around a private eye who's investigating who's a real real sleaze bag if I do say myself because he first he catches this guy cheating on his wife which is what he's been hired to find out it's Simon Barrett who's directed it who uh, I, again I I appreciated a little bit I don't know if it was a reflection from the first movie that they do you know watching these back to back it's like oh great nudity again and then all of a sudden Simon Barrett <laughs> shows up in his dick. <laughs> Uh, with with his dick out and like yelling and, and closing the windows, which I thought was I thought that was at least funny. And again, I don't know if it's a commentary on how quickly they were to to show uh to show nudity in the in the first one, but I I appreciate the kind of twist of like uh as you're looking at uh you know a uh, uh, female nudity that all of a sudden male genitalia shows up and is mad at you. But yeah, so he's a private guy. He goes to this house, and again, like before, they start watching uh, the videos, and he has his assistant there who's like, check all these tapes, check all these tapes. But he calls this guy and says, hey, my wife hired, uh, called to hire you. If you pay me more money than she's paying you, uh, I won't show her the tape that I just filmed of you uh, having sex with someone. Uh, so then her, his assistant starts going through tapes, and we're into uh, the opening, which is... Uh, is it called eye transplant, or did I write eye transplant as a as a shorthand? Um. Oh, it's called phase one clinical. Okay, trial. phase one. I'm like, there's no way it's called eye transplant. Uh, it's called phase one clinical trials, and it's directed by Adam Wingard. Uh, Adam Wingard stars in it. Um, and he's not the best actor. 
He also feels, uh, speaking of uh, small kings, Peter, he feels very short in this movie. And I don't know if, the, if I don't know if he's a short man, um, but he feels like a, like a five five kid. Compared to some of the uh, actors he's worked with, notably King Kong, he's definitely a short king. But Adam Wingard is. I, I know that you're typing into computer, but I like it if canonically you were going to his house to ask him. Or measure him. He's 6'4". He's 6'4"? Everyone's taller than God, him. man. He, maybe it's the found footage thing in this one. Like, he did himself no favors because he, I would have guessed... Gorney Weaver is 8'5"? <laughs> well, now I don't know if Adam Wingard is 6'4". <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he is... He's uh, He gets an eye transplant, um, which is good. And so the whole thing you're seeing through this eye that also these scientists are monitoring supposedly and can hear and to see how it's working and he goes back to his kind of like he's got a pretty sick house uh it was hard not to watch this and go that's a good house i wouldn't mind the house uh it's this uh on the i don't know peter you're california is in the valley on top of the valley uh overlook yeah, it's overlooking it's, it's, something it, it's it's definitely an L.A. house where I'm like, how the fuck does he have $3 million? What does he do for money? Well, he directs these movies, Peter. Oh, yeah. He he has – um he also – he has a really cool custom setup where he can use a, um Xbox controller with a PS4 yeah. and it just works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you have that, when you have that kind of money, everything is universally compatible. Uh, he's he's <laughs> yeah, also got like the one – dongles. <laughs> that's not a hot tub. That's a pool, but it's like a – or is it a hot tub? It's either a giant hot tub or a kind of a weird small pool. I think it's a small heated pool. Yeah, I, I, which I, I think is I've cool. I've seen these a few times. I've seen these a few times when my brother will bring me to rich people's houses in L.A. for various things. And I'm like, oh. It's kind of rad. It's, yeah, like you can't really swim around in it, but there's enough space for everything. Yeah, you just kind of sit and hang out and be wet. <laughs> you don't want to get wet. And look at all the houses that are lower on yeah. the floodplain. Andrew W.K. fucking loves that house. He's like, I get wet here. Mostly yeah. in this section. With the yeah. pool. So, anyways, but he starts uh, bad news about your your robot eye, dude. Uh, you see ghosts. Ghosts keep showing up, weird, naked, bloody people, and all these things. And he's like, you know, which is a scary concept. Like, if there's something in your head that is making you see these monsters that are clearly there and are doing damage. So, uh, all of a sudden, a, 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 a girl comes to his house and is like, "Hey, I know what's going on. Uh, I know what. I know everything that's happening here." Um, because I also have a, uh, ocular implant and I hear ghosts and monsters all the time. And it turns out they're always there, but the scientists have fi- accidentally figured out a frequency that basically makes, makes them visible to you. She at first is kind of acting like they're, they are ghosts. They can't hurt you. You just now are able to see them. And, and, and like the way to get around uh, having to interact with them is to just not focus on them and they eventually they'll wander off or go away because, again, they're not really there in the same physical plane as you. And so he tries – she tries to distract him by, by having sex because it's still, it's still doing that. But it goes, that goes away pretty quick from these movies. At, at least I love that in this one they're like, they're like yep. That's that's what works, and then the movie is immediately like like that doesn't that doesn't work at all. It's also very terrifying that that one bloody older naked gentleman, every time he turns his head and looks over while she's like, "Don't look, don't look." He's closer, like he's outside the house, then he's inside the house on the other side of a of a pane glass door, and then he's like right up next to him while they're like it is it like it is very creepy in the best way. 
Uh, at the end, yeah, the, the monsters kill them all and, and uh, shoves the tears out the eye and, and shoves it down his throat. Uh, and they all die. Uh, it's it's a it's definitely like jump scare dot text, but it's incredibly effective jump scare dot text. Like it is if that first person perspective, the way that Adam Wingard shoots it, like it is definitely like definition of a mid uh, VHS segment. But it's but it's 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 it starts off on the right foot. It's scary. It makes you jump. It has a little creepy vibe to it. It has some weird questions about like whether if the scientists were in on it if um these things are always there and somehow the these like implants gave them sight it's it's good stuff yeah so in the frame there's uh mention that there's like an illegal tape trading market for like snuff and child pornography and and, and murder and and just general um general horrifying shit that people would want to see. So they kind of establish in that universe that like snuff is real and we exist in a universe where like, like you can just, you can just buy it. It's like the eight millimeter universe. That's not that crazy. I do like that. They add to the overall universe of this, that there's an evil corporation that gave him a replacement that, 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 that gives him a replacement. eye. it also gives Clarissa the uh, cochlear implants. Cause she can. Hear oh, I said, oh, yeah, that's a cochlear. Yeah, and and uh, she's great. She's like a, a reverse manic pixie dream girl. She's like a depressed goth nightmare girl. Yeah, at first you um, almost she think she just comes in. She's like, she's like, I'm gonna tell you everything you need to do with your life, and I'm gonna bang you, and also you're gonna listen to me. <laughs> but it doesn't work out. She was wrong. <laughs> I love that it doesn't like that's it's the full inverse of manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Um, I also another thing I really like is <clears throat> people said like this is just the plot to the eye. I'm sorry, the eye sucks. This one is the unmade is, Tom you know, Cruise made movie. <laughs> this is a serviceable little horror movie. I hope another person takes the haunted transplant eyeball thing and does a great movie with it. But to take the take a good concept and redo it. I mean, like I don't hate species, but I'm really glad that they kept trying on the species concept until we got to under the skin. Yeah, like agreed. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. Like it's it's fun. It's creepy. It's it's it is the platonic ideal of like a, a over the plate first person found footage like anthology short. <laughs> so I'm just thinking about the fact that Adam Wingard is the star and the director, and Clarissa comes in and she's like this like hot goth girl with big boobs is like, oh yeah, fucking them can make them go away. I'm going to fuck you right now. It's very, very Woody Allen of um, of him. Why is it? Why, why is it respecting women the way that he makes ghosts go away? Let's go courting. <laughs> why isn't reading feminist well, literature the way that ghosts go away? And go to a gender study class. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want me to do ride in the yeah. park? This one is fun. Tons of this fun. This one is very fun. This is one that's like conceptually not deep, but it's a uh, it's a zombie story. Uh, it's well, called Ride in the Park. It's a zombie story that uses the trend, not just so it it follows the transferring of the virus, which is fun enough, and it does it through the fact that everyone in this park has GoPros. <laughs> so. Yes, yes, and as someone who does some some. Uh, you know, like outdoorsy yeah. activities that people really love doing GoPros for. You're a GoPro-ing American. Uh, 
I do trail running and I hike and I do outdoor rock climbing and I do stuff like that. And I have never been like, you know what? I want to see uh, a shaky video of me doing this very. Scary. What if you want? What if you, want, you don't want to hear your grunts? Like I must have been. I was working pretty hard here. See, that's where I went. <sighs> I think unless you're, a, you're. A, I get if you're like a pro or something. But is anyone like, yeah, that was a good bike ride? It seems like the main reason to do those is in the event that something goes wrong, and then you have a potential viral video on your hands. <laughs> it's, it's your dash yeah, cam. I, I hope. Yeah. I hope I'm going to take a little run in, uh, in in this mountain range. I'm going to strap my GoPro on because if a bear shows up and I almost die, that's TikTok fame, baby. That's TikTok fame, baby. Um, so uh, I just want to note really quickly: it's directed by uh, Eduardo Sanchez, who we've had a t- directed. We've had a terrible directed. career. Terrible career. Like they deserve a much better career. It seems like their movie altered which they made six years after Blair Witch was, which I haven't seen. I don't know if it's any good or not. Um, the cover's cool. It says from the makers of the Blair Witch Project. It seems like that was poorly received and they declined to do the sequel to Blair Witch and they just have had, they've barely done anything, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that Eduardo Sanchez got to do um, an episode of Yellow Jackets because Yellow Jackets, Yellow Jackets is, is really very good. good. Happy to report that Eduardo Sanchez is 6'7". Um, but... where, where are you going to? Are you going to VHSHeights.com? <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, a guy named Greg Hale uh, co-directed it with him, but I just wanted to touch on the fact that the Blair Witch guy came back to do a very silly um, horror movie in the woods um, for this, which I, I think is is fun. He, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want him to come back and do a, a crappy version of Blair Witch, yeah. right? Um, so, um, a biker uh is is he's got his gopro set up and he's um telling his fiance his partner whatever he's he's like I'll, I'll come home but i just you know i gotta i gotta do my bike ride like and uh so we kind of establish he has somebody at home and then he gets attacked while on the trail he stops to to try and help somebody like he's not a douche like a lot of these guys are. He, he tries to stop to help somebody. And then that person ends up turning in the time that he's helping the other person and he gets bitten and he kind of runs off before he um, changes over. And then we get um, all natural photography. So like his GoPro camera, if somebody else is filming the incident on their phone, it's all just like organic sort of like what would people be filming and um he eating in first person goes from like extremely gross to extremely funny to me yeah like it goes from like oh dude that's so like you can hear the mashing in his mouth and like the the digestion you can hear him vomiting because they got a little bit of the 28 days later thing where it happens really quickly and they vomit blood um the coughing the grossness of all of that and then it goes to funny to me eventually, like where you're like, it's just so it's just so extremely gross. We get to get to see him and a group of, of zombies that he's picked up attack a child's uh, a child's birthday party, um, which is very funny to me. Yeah. Um, so ever, I mean, that's like, the thing though. Like you're watching the transition of the virus, and you're also watching all the different people in the park that have video cameras, and you, then you're just following them around, which is great. Like it's a great concept for one of these and it makes it really like energetic and visceral yeah yeah absolutely it, it's it's just got a fun sense of energy it also weirdly enough makes a compelling case for not just like a zombie 
movie, zombie-centered zombie movie, but it makes a compelling case for how hard it would be to fight off zombies, even the slow-moving ones, because um, there's, like, guys with guns and competent people with guns and cars and stuff. Like, there's, there's, it's not just all incompetence getting eaten, like the game Stubbs the Zombie or something. Um, yeah. Or the movie Fido. I'm trying to think of a, a comedy zombie thing that I actually like. Um, but, um... It's not just incompetent nincompoops. Like, certain people are, are fairly competent, but it, it kind of makes the case how, like, when you're trying to focus on one shot, there might be one of them sneaking up on you because their feet fall, their footfalls are really yeah. quiet. Um, I, I I really like this one. It's just silly, good, gross fun. It's not, it's not deep. Um, it's not particularly scary, though it does kind of, you know, touch a few buttons where you're like, this is, this is, uh, the banalness of a childhood, a child birthday party in, in the park and all these like minivans driving away does kind of touch a few, a few, uh, uh, sensitive areas. Like I've been to many birthday parties like this, you know, like that, uh, not with all the murder, but everything pre murder is good. Just, you just go to a park and you have birthday cake and then the kids run around all right park, let's yeah. talk about safe haven the best safe best haven. horror short so of all my, time um yeah so timo shijanto and gareth yeah Evans. yeah so they uh we love to watch royalty it is yeah we wa- i mean we did we watched this we all we watched it we loved it we it was a big centerpiece of our horror anthology i don't want to just skip over it peter mentioned that we should spend the most time on this one again <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's right i don't know if the math works out there uh but yeah it is it is so so goddamn good everyone i've ever shown this to has been uh, either blown away or disgusted by it in a very like primal way, and and it's essentially this like group of students who are basically it feels a little bit like a proto vice type thing or something, but they're going to this uh, cult compound and they're interviewing the cult leader about what he's trying to get at, why they have schools, what's going on there, and then there's also this kind of. Um, love triangle story where one of the one of the producers or camera people is uh sleeping with someone who and the boyfriend is like the the host or the journal the main journalist through there and and he's overhearing them talk and so there's like this little bit of a love triangle someone's sleeping someone's pregnant the 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 girl is the one who's pregnant through here and like all that all that is happening and meanwhile the cult leader is just getting more and more like less interested in in talking that he is starting breathing heavily and things are getting weird and he keeps talking about like things are happening now and it's getting worse and worse and then essentially what ends up happening is you're seeing from a couple different characters perspective this fun house through this cult compound that you already saw going in you saw the people standing in corners you saw the children speaking in school you saw all the other thing but eventually it gets down to the basement where this horror is happening and uh it's just it's just one thing after another of some of the best like visceral bloody terrifying scenes after another zombies blood people shooting themselves people like fucking in an orgy of blood the school children becoming ghost-like figures and it kind of culminates in uh a giant demon goat like figure bursting out of the pregnant woman's body and then chasing the one remaining guy through the compound where he sees an even more horrific version of it 
um, until he eventually um, it, it ends on a very funny gag that I still like to this day where and, and, and throughout this there's fucking like tornado sirens going off there is definitely an implication that like the world is collapsing into what we're seeing what we're seeing here he gets into his car he runs off only to be chased down by this fucking horrific giant demon monster who at the end let's reminds him that he is his dad <laughs> Papa. So I think when we did our last episode, though, I wasn't a Timo head because I had not seen. Yeah, he had not made uh, his uh, his you know other movies. Yeah, we were given a lot of. We were, we were. I think we were primarily talking about Gareth uh, Gareth Evans. Yeah, yeah. So I forgot that Timo actually got credited as a co director. I for some reason I thought maybe he like you know worked on the movie, but he like ended up being, getting like an exec producer credit or a, like a choreography credit or something like that. Um, Timo, uh, who I'm a huge fan of, and I've, I talk about every Spooktober in particular uh, because the last couple, um, he uh, he made the made the Devil Take You movies, which I'm a big fan of. Um, sort of like in, an Indonesian take on Evil Dead movies. Um, he he also casts um, future. The, these two guys cast future um, cast members of uh, uh, their movies. So uh, Epi Kuznandar is the cult leader, the father. Um, he ends up being in Raid 2 and The Night Comes for Us, um, two of the best action movies ever made, bar none. Um, and so these two are, are sort of like Indonesian action kings who also have an appreciation for for horror um gareth evans uh made apostle a few years ago which i think a lot of people slept yeah it's really good quite like i watched it last week yeah it's yeah it's it's very fun um the production quality on that is so wild um but the father is like a charismatic leader with that uh kind of approaches this apocalyptic turning point where you you can't turn back um and the cult has all the trademarks of a cult like a family uh, kind of tucked away from prying eyes. You can't leave a specific compound that's kind of like tucked away from the city. They have a school. Uh, all your work is done there. Your food is is provided there. Um, there's a charismatic leader um, who talks in like big language to sort of give you a sense of purpose. Thought control, breakdown of family units, and, and above all, shielded abuse. So sex abuse to kids is happening, sex abuse to women. It very much seems like uh, all of these sexual relationships when they're within there are controlled. Notably, uh, father gets free run. Um, so it's intercutting between all these crew mics and all these crew uh, incidents. Yeah. And the piece that I kind of stuck on this time, which I didn't, I don't know if I stuck on that much last time. The piece that I stuck on this time was, was that the part of the reason the Antichrist Minotaur could be born uh, is because uh, the mother of the Antichrist and the father of the Antichrist had committed an act of a, a sin, yeah, uh, so to say, um, because they had uh, cheated on um, the husband of the wife and the best friend of the, the husband. Uh, so uh, it's there's sort of like a, a sin, and it's a small, very banal sin. I would say a forgivable sin, even. Um, but her getting uh, pregnant... And being in the right place, right time, fulfilled some sort of prophecy yeah. for this group. Yeah. And so they're all treating her like she's the fucking Virgin Mary before giving birth, right? They're all treating her like how, you know, uh, you know, the, the, we all hope that the Virgin Mary was treated, but instead she was, you know, stuck in the, in the barn, um, shoved in the barn. Um, 
and uh the and she's just confused right she just thinks that they're being overly friendly like love bombing her and they're just kind of creeped out by it um and the details here when everything goes off the fucking rails right the suicide sur- this is the most triggering segment yeah, probably yeah I imagine in VHS one, some of like the douche bros trying to rape drunk women and, and you know, just women out on their own. Uh, the numerous douche bros is probably very more banal, banal triggering, like, like everyday triggering. This is like arch triggering, <laughs> like, oh, you have somebody that you've lost to self-harm or, or suicide, um, somebody that you've lost to that. This is like, oh, do you want to see that happen 20 times? <laughs> yeah. So... I, I understand if the segment is too much for people. It is uh, quite a fucking lot, but it is about, like, let's go to the outer limits of, of what we can show, and I love it for that. Um, the, the There's, like, this dark messiah that's rising. The father ends up being completely irrelevant. He, he spontaneously for... His gift for for you know rising the the this dark messiah is to spontaneously combust in one of my favorite shots in cinema history. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. Then, like you 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 make it all happen. You put the pieces in place. You don't get credit. You think the people that like organize a big like Broadway production and you know get all the they, they, everyone talks about the stars. I mean that's just what happens, Peter. Yeah, they, they Minotaur gets all the credit. Yeah, you know. Oh, son of Tony's son next of Satan. Year. Double, yeah. Talk about nepotism. Yeah, the Tonys next year, you know, is going up on the stage, Damien. The, I, uh, another strange detail I didn't quite catch out is that everyone dies and comes back. I remember that. But I forgot that they come back and they're still servants yeah. to the to the cause. Yeah. They come back because they were servants to the cause. They died in an act of pure devotion. They came back still in that act yeah. of pure devotion and with the knowledge that this is really happening. So these, like... It's almost like a video game when he's like trying to save uh, his his girlfriend Dash's best friend's wife. Um, there's four zombie midwives clinging to her calves and her her wrists. And it's like a video game. He has to like go and break them all off. They're like don't put up much of a fight because they're just sort of like b- bluntly reanimated corpses. Yeah, they're not they're not super soldiers. They're just sort of like there's enough like awful cosmic energy floating around to like raise them from the dead this this segment is so fucking it's so good the part that really stuck out to me this time and i have seen this a lot it's the it's the tornado sirens or the storm sirens going off the whole time which is just so great because it just adds this sense of like you know those sirens are like a tense experience even when they do the whatever you know first day of the month thing where they do the test it's like yeah we have first tuesday of the month in yeah, Illinois, and I think first wednesday here and it's like oh the sirens if you ever hear them outside of that which you know i occasionally do here because of a tornado it is the worst feeling in the world like it's like oh shit and the having those sirens play the whole time is great because one it indicates that even though you are confined to this to this compound uh whatever's happening made people turn on the fucking emergency alert sirens for the whole whole town. So it really gives a sense that this 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 isn't like a, a demon that's about to be released onto the public. This is like ground zero of a amazing apocalypse, a lot apocalyptic event, which your mind can only wander from because you're seeing how like 
every you know every possible permutation of grotesque horror is happening well in just in this compound so you expand that across the town like what is happening out there which i think is just a, a great detail and just adds a, a level of of just overall uh uh tenseness to uh to the, the horrific horror stuff but peter uh, we still have two whole movies to get through so why don't you yeah i want one want to note one thing yeah, peter um, so the tornado siren thing also touches me like in a weirdly primal way. Like I also like whenever I hear a tornado siren or anything like that in, in movies or some sort of alarm like that, I always get like that, like childlike sense of fear. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, this segment just like it, 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 it brings all the talents of two artists that I'm very, very fond of together. Uh, yeah. So Peter, take us home with. Uh, one that is uh, a fucking blast, but I don't know how much there's to talk about with uh, Slumber Party Massacre. Or, alien. wait, no. Slumber Party Alien Abduction. There we go, Slumber Party Alien Abduction. So, this is a director that hasn't done a ton, Jason Eisner. He did direct Hobo with a Shotgun, which is a movie I love. I haven't um, seen that. And I have a, there's a cool announcement that came out of um, Fantastic Fest. Did you hear about this? Uh, do you hear about this? He's making, he's making about a, mo- a movie called... Uh, he or he made a movie called Kids vs. Aliens that's supposed to be really cool. Oh no, I and haven't. That's cons- that's con- the reason I'm mentioning it now is not just because you know this guy's getting you know another chance at bat. It's the concept of this <laughs> the story. So it's about a bunch of uh, fuck around little teenage uh, shit birds. Their parents who are going away for the weekend and uh, make the very ill advised choice of leaving like the 16 year old in charge. Um, she uh, is supposed to be watching after her little brothers. Um, her uh, boyfriend immediately comes over. The kids set, tell the parents the boyfriend is coming over, and the parents are just like, no, nah, whatever. <laughs> You're going to have a party at the house with a bunch of <laughs> irresponsible kids. And, my <laughs> like, it's just, it's very funny, like, the level of abandon the parents have in this. Um but uh, the kids start playing pranks on them, like throwing water balloons at them when they're on the dock and interrupting them having sex. And while the kids are like just trying to sneak beers and maybe take the boat out because um, it's a lake house or a house on a lake. There's little hints that something is is fucked up at first. So uh, <clears throat> a str- there's this when they're swimming, they see a strange thing swimming in the lake for like a second. Very creepy. Did you catch that? No, but I think they do such a good job in this of like the the camera is like especially wild because it's it's being held by children or in some cases like eventually a dog. So it does a really good job of like no one's focusing on anything really, which allows all this weird stuff to seep into to frame. Yeah, yeah, it's really fantastic. Um the like the, the there's a shot of one of the aliens swimming in the water um, and he blends in with the like green brown lake water. Right. <laughs> um, and it's really, it's really neat. Um, but then there's like a loud boom and there's like strange lights over the lake. Like it's not just like sweeping right into an abduction. Like there's like indications that other abductions are happening or something else is happening. Yeah. And, and then all the, the the kids finally piss off the boyfriend enough that he like is like confronting them and trying to re-prank them. One of the kids is like jacking off to porn while his friends are asleep. Which shouldn't do. 
It's very funny. There's like a little bit, there's a little bit of just like shithead kid energy in this that I kind of like. Because like, I wasn't this poorly behaved as a kid, but like, probably. I didn't have an older, I didn't have any older uh, siblings. So maybe like, I wasn't like, I I need to, uh, what would be funny if I caught a sibling fucking? For me, that would be horrifying. But I don't know, Peter, maybe you were like, hoping to, hoping to catch some, some dong or something of, uh, of one of your sister's boyfriend. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Um, n- not really. Um, not really. Tell I mean, that's not a that no. <laughs> it's not. That's a, a no. not usually. It's not a no. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, my sister's brother boyfriend's over. I did not try to catch a peak of a dawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I wasn't this much of a shithead little brother. Yeah, this this I, is a shithead little brother. This is like eighties yeah, teen but, shithead little brother. Yeah, and I, I kind of like that they're just, like, constantly swearing at each other. <laughs> like, just, it's a very, very believable thing. But anyways, so they finally piss off the, um, they finally piss off the uh, older sister and her boyfriend enough that they, like, march into the room. And then in that moment, they're all in the living room. And one of the kids says, there's someone at your door. And then there's an outline of multiple aliens standing it's outside. So, like, it's so good. Screen glass wall. Yeah. It's and a, that giant, like, noise that just, like, shakes your speakers, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, dude, it's it's a lot. Um, it's very, very overwhelming. And then the movie does not stop moving at this point. So what happens is, yes, loud, blaring horns, bright lights, and um, the aliens come in, beat up the boyfriend. He's presumably gone at this point, so he, he, he doesn't have a stand a chance anymore. They all are dragged off, and there's a shot inside a sleeping bag. Yeah, because they're getting dragged by them. the sleeping bag and get thrown into yeah. the lake. I think that the I think that they were trying to get sucked. Oh up yeah, because eventually they start get, people start getting sucked up. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's all from I the that's it's all it, from this fucked up camera perspective. So it is hard to gauge what go what's going on. But you do know everything's horrifying. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to really gauge, right? And. um but they, they get let go for a second. They crawl onto the dock, at least the sister and the two brothers. Um, and then the sister and the two brothers, right? And then um, they start uh, running away with the dog. And the dog has a camera on him. Tank. Yeah. And the sense of chaos is just, like, really, really wonderful. Because even though, like, you sort of roughly know the layout of the house, at this point, it's just a yeah, mad Yeah, it's a dash. dog with a camera strapped to him. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> and I love the ironic sort of contrast that, like, the dog, the dog can see the aliens and is barking. And the siblings are, like, on the dock, like, trying to catch their breath. And the dog is, like, seeing these aliens. But, like, the dog doesn't know what the fuck is yeah, going on. Yeah, it just knows on. it's an intruder. And it can't say, hey. Oh, this seems really fucked you. up, Ruff Ruff. <laughs> it's the one, one, one English phrase we taught our, we taught our dog. Uh, and it uh, chases them into the woods. Um, they try and get away. And then eventually they all get sucked everyone, up. Everyone, yeah. Basically everyone dies or gets sucked up. The, uh, and all the kids and the dog. The dog, they suck him up. And I don't know if they reject it or whatever, but uh, it, or it falls out because it's too light or something. But yeah, the ending shot, uh, this is the only one of the VHS movies uh, Shauna has seen. Uh, she didn't like that ending to this movie. <laughs> I don't know why the dog needed to die. It's a cute, it, like, I, I, it is, funny. it's not like, uh, I mean, there's there's a there's a sadness in, in when any dog dies in a movie, like, right, like a German Shepherd or something like that. 
but it it is it's like a corgi, which makes it feel like even more like just tiny and totally helpless, and just they fucking drop it onto the floor, and it uh, camera falls off, and you see the bloody dog. So yes, yeah, does the dog die? Yep, pretty horrifically. That's the basically the end of your movie. Minus this, yeah, actually, I, this I, has a. I, I would believe it, though, if the dog lived, because the aliens are just like, we literally have dissected 9,000 dogs. Like, we don't need the dog. It's a corgi. We get it. Like, Smaller we've got than normal we, dogs. Like, yeah, we, want, we actually want big dogs so that we have... Yeah. Our butt plugs won't fit into... Uh, <laughs> they don't do alien probes. They're giving... They're trying sex toys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's a different sort of experiment. Yeah. But yeah, like, I can imagine, like, that'd be an interesting reason, like, the dog is the only survivor, because they're like, we've already dissected so many dogs, like, we're done. We've moved on. Yeah, well, they turn off the beam. I was in the beam! They do, they do. But all I'm saying is they could have let the dog Yeah, but live. they didn't, um, is what I'm saying. Yeah, so that dog is dead, dead, dead at so the end. Dead. There's no... You linger on his yeah. corpse, it's very sad. Uh, the framing device, what, what you didn't know point. is that as they watch these videos, there's like a guy in the house and the guy, I'm just going to like, there's not that much to talk about. Uh, the guy kills the uh, the assistant and the, uh, him, but like he's he's split open from the neck down. So then you just see him in the closet uh, with like his, I don't even know what you call it, like his cheeks and his like lower neck just drooping down while he just sits there and chills without a mouth and a jaw. Uh, it's, a, it's a creepy image. It's not all that compelling but it's creep it's it's really good gore effects yeah yeah it's um he uh this is this is the universe getting a little bigger and it'll expand into 94 even though 94 is ostensibly a reboot of the series it doesn't fucking make sense um like <laughs> the world doesn't hasn't ended by the time that they're all watching this tape but the the um safe haven would imply that the world is over right um but the client like Kills himself, and he says his mom supports him in this, and like crawls off, yeah, um, and kind of becomes like a, a ghost. And I do really like that he's just like the framing device of this. I do like that we get to see um, the the PI, like he has to kill his girlfriend, which is the, like the only person that we've seen him care about and not be completely cold yeah. to. Uh, and then he turns around in the closet, and the the man with the destroyed jaw is just in there yeah. i think he gives like a thumbs up to the yeah it's 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 very funny um yeah so let's move on vhs viral uh peter i don't want to talk about the framing device besides the fact that it's long and it's dumb and like i'm not even really sure what the gist is like it doesn't even have a good throughput it's just a i don't know like well, it's 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 a guy who has a girlfriend. There's a police chase through the town. People are watching on video. And then this guy's also looking through these tapes. It's dumb. It's it's the worst part. Thankfully, this is a very short one. This is 80 minutes long. Um, but if you ever want to watch it, you can skip through the framing device because it's bad. Do you have anything to say on the framing device? Peter Moran, co-host of this show. Uh, about the framing device of, of VHS yeah. Viral? Um, yeah, they do the thing. It's the funny... It's It feels like a parody of it. They do the thing, the, the dead wife uh, photography um, that they do in, like, The Grey and all those movies where it's, like, very clearly, like... Like, <laughs> there's the sacrificial woman that's clearly about to die so the guy can go on a journey. And so they use, like, soft-focused lenses of just, like, a very pretty dark-haired woman just smiling as, like, the wind flows through her hair. And she's like, I just, we're making memories here. We're just making memories here. Yeah. And she, her character is nothing but the 
the um the extreme dead wife syndrome. Yeah, and he goes on a journey through this ambulance chase that's on the news and like meets some racially insensitive portrayals of various ethnic groups. Yeah, that um that sucks. Um, yeah, that all sucks. And then at the end of it he ends up contributing to a uh, VHS viral apocalypse. So I guess these like VHS tapes have become sentient or something, and they're asking him to upload them to the internet. And then once the VHS tapes are no longer being traded like one by one, they they're uploaded to the internet in the correct order. They can cause like a global apocalypse, which is an idea that sounds cooler than it is. Yeah, um, it's... because we hate these characters. <laughs> I think that's why ninety four is a reboot because I think the framing device is always canon. Like, the framing device is always, like... I guess I didn't really even see it anything as a reboot. I just feel... Like, these... This is something I saw... This is something I saw in my research. And well, like, 2 is you, definitely in the same universe as 1 because they see this shitty prankers um, video. But again, I I, yeah. I I don't know how much any of that matters. Oh, and this one is in, in the same universe as 2 because sometimes in the flashing photography in the framing device, you'll see shots from Safe Haven. Oh, and yeah. the other ones. Yeah, so, I mean, I yeah, I, but 94 wouldn't necessarily need to be Doesn't a reboot matter. because it just happened before, so no, there would be no... Uh, yeah, it's a pre-boot. Sure. Uh, it's a boot. So, Dante the Great. Dante the Great is... Uh, I like it because it's, it's doing the mockumentary style, which is a, a different way to do kind of this found footage video camera stuff where um, you're interviewing a magician, uh, a shitty, douchey David Blaine type... <laughs> Who who is how he got so famous? Um, again, this this one is not great, but I do like it, and that's very different than the rest of these. It's mockumentary style. It's about a magician and his evil power cape. Um, it just has some really bad acting, which I think takes it down quite a few notches. And these actors have never been in anything again, basically. Uh, the the heroes, uh, so essentially, yeah, he, you find out he has a cape that is Houdini that's given him all this real magic powers, but he's been doing some crimes, and so he some people want him to do the time, and uh, at one point, like uh, his his assistant um, that he's he's been working with, uh, he reveals a secret to her, and then he gets shot at by a bunch of police officers, but kills them all because he's like, you don't know what I've got here it's um i i uh rated this as one of the worst vhs i, I think it's one of the worst mainly because of how good most other things are but like i don't hate this i i would love similar to the phase one clinical trials the uh, the i one um i would love to see this remade as a feature length one and do it really yeah. well i think the idea of a magician who finds like a old Houdini cape that he got too scared of that's actually magic and it's actually there's a demon encased in there I think that's a great idea. It's a great concept. The latter half of it pisses me off because they somehow make a magician killing a bunch of cops uh, boring and they break the found footage rules. And, but for that final segment, there's no photographer filming. They're just shooting. Not the final segment where it, you know, it ironically turns around and the, the um, assistant gets eaten by the cape. Um, the, the actual fight against Dante versus the cops there's no one filming him and there's like editing being done that no one on earth could be able to shoot. They just started shooting whatever the fuck they wanted and were like, oh yeah, I guess this is found footage. Can't, can't get behind that. And I think that this is the movie where the, the reins really got let slack. This is also the era where they said, um, 
oh, we're going to do a Snapchat series of shorts. Yeah, um, well, and there were supposed to be four segments, but then, like, you're right. Like, the, yes. the Simon Barrett, the Adam Woodengard, a lot of the people who were shepherding this um, kind of went away, and it was given over to, like, well, let's just feature some new exciting filmmakers. And for what it's worth, like I said, I think the first segment's fine. I agree with you, Peter. I think there's a lot in this concept that works. I think the biggest thing is that the, the two lead actors are... Um, not up for it at all. And I know that can be tough yeah. with low budget horror movies and and all the actor components that come in there, but it's the thing about mockumentary styles, it's really hard to get right. Because if you're a bad actor and you're trying to play a real person, it really stands out as ridiculous. Peter, we joke about this all the time. Uh but it's like the Poughkeepsie tapes. Part of the reason that the Poughkeepsie tapes is so goddamn funny is because it is doing all the act, all the talking heads feel like they're uh, like a fucking uh uh you know coven production like it's a mark what what was his name mark uh Burchard? oh yeah mark Burchard. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's what all the talking heads feel like like and there's 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 bad acting and then there's like mockumentary i'm you're a real person i'm interviewing bad acting and i do think the latter stands out more as like cringy because it's like your friends made a stupid tape uh on a v like it, it for some reason the bad acting stands out more than even like because at least in a normal movie in a non-fun footage movie bad acting is surrounded by lighting and sets mm-hmm. and cinematography and like all these things that still can keep up the artifice of the movie you're watching when you're filming a bad actor just pretend, pretending to be a human being doing an interview in a, in a mockumentary or a, a found footage movie all the training wheels are off all the other things that cover up that artifice and it does look like you just interviewed your your friend or some kid for like a, fit, a shitty movie you're making in high school with a video camera, and it really, I think, takes away from it. And that's, I think that's exactly what happens here. And it's also what happens in the Poughkeepsie tapes, why uh, you and I probably, you know, once a year, whenever it comes up on my time hop, I resend that clip and laugh hysterically because, like, but that's what so much of that movie is like because no one can act. And if no one can act and to play an expert at Harvard talking about serial killers, it's somehow just incredibly embarrassing. Yeah, Savage Land has this problem a little bit for a movie that I'm actually really, really fond of, and I hope you get to uh, this past month. You got to this past month. Um, But uh, in Savage Land, I read it more as like a Werner Herzog thing, where like they're just interviewing enough weirdos that a couple of them are like kind of playing to the camera. Um, I think it can get passed off in a good movie when the acting is a little iffy, because like sometimes people do do the Werner Herzog thing, see a Werner Herzog movie. (laughs) um but you're right you're right and like the poughkeepsie tapes and this dante the great like it's not supposed to be that it's supposed to be these are supposed to be actual performers and so actual performers seeming crummy to the camera is particularly bad because you're like but wait you sold out like theater after theater with your magic show why Um, not and the other i I don't want to get i don't want to get off on this again but like it is it does piss me off that there's specific shots like her burning the cloak her fighting Dante the Great up in the air, like that are not found footage shots, and there's no one there to be filming her. And um, they there's all these like corny wrestling kind of things where they're like, 
oh, no, I have the cloak. Oh, no, I have the cloak. It, it's it's just Hollywood bullshit that, like, is not in any other segment. Yeah, I get, we get, it really... you're, you're, you're an FFF, you're found footage fundamentalist. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't want to get on that too much, but, like, yeah, there's just, there's just a fundamental failure to embrace the format. And you mentioned there was supposed to be a fourth segment. Do you know why the fourth segment was cut? Wasn't found footage. It wasn't found footage, which sounds like they gave, I think for this movie, they gave certain creators too much slack. Um, that's my that's my theory. Yeah. Um, Peter, let's want to walk through my favorite from this one, which is Parallel Monsters. Yeah, I, I, I really like, I actually really like uh, this movie more than um, when I uh, I watched it the first time because... The last of, two segments are great. I really, yeah, I, I grew an appreciation for Parallel Monsters. I always liked Bonestorm. Uh, oh, I was always a Bonestorm fan. Even the title is very funny, making a Simpsons reference thing. Um, yeah. But we'll get there. So when you watch uh, it, you call yourself Thrill House. <laughs> Whenever I have to create a new gamer tag, I always try doing Thrill I House. I do Thrill House. Fu- yeah. Some fucker has taken it immediately, and I'm not going to do Thrill House O two or whatever. We just got to um, do it with O U because he ran out of space too. <laughs> uh, there's an inventor who's trying to create a device that'll take him through parallel universes. He successfully pulls this off after telling his wife, like, hey, I'll come to bed later. Just going to try on my parallel universe. Yeah, and then it works. And then he talks to the guy on the other side. And it's, like, literally, like, almost like looking in a mirror, right? Like, he's, like, he's dressed the same way. His lab looks the same way. Uh, You can't tell. They're talking, and you can't tell what the difference is between their universes. And then they sort of, like... It you do a, very, a little like, like ador- 15 minutes let's, let's just sneak around let's walk around and see if it's very adorable at first yeah. because they're like two goofs who have like created something that no one will ever be able to understand or comprehend the way that they can before they have to go show this off to the world they want to have a moment to play with it themselves right yeah um and so they go to the other universe and then there starts being things that are off so like instead of a fam- family portrait of the wedding there's a demonic ceremony summoning circle picture in the yeah i have to i have to note that you're either on board or off board for this because the the segment relies on an inherently like comedic bent which is that the universes would be exactly identical except for just in the basement a handful of things a handful of very critical this a- person is a this person is a is a is a, is a d- demon dicked monster who uh He's a demon dicked monster who uh, worships, truly worships demons and like sacrifices young men and like these like polyamorous well, so, blood orgies hold, hold with on. his wife. He, and he still is wearing like blue jeans and a button down. I know, it's great. So it's directed by Nacho Villagando, who did Time Crimes and Colossal. Time Crimes, which we've covered, which is fantastic. Um, truly a, a unique, like voice for 100%. so i mean he's so he's such a good director have you seen colossal because it rules not yet you should uh, absolutely have to see it but what's the great part about this and the part that why it's so fucking funny is it doesn't do what you expect it to do in that the guy from the vanilla universe is like horrified at the more and more he goes in. and it is like it's not just like oh they're satan worshiping in this universe like um uh, men have uh, uh, giant uh, demon dick fists for their penis. 
Yeah, they're um, like a tremor, the tremor tongues, almost yeah. like they're little graboids. And you think, oh, that would be terrifying, but thankfully, the a biological woman in this universe has a giant chest vagina that opens up all the way through with with teeth to receive uh, to receive the pleasure. And there's like demon blimps and yeah, all these all this horrific. I stuff. love the Antichrist blimp. With oh, the, love with it. the upside the inverted cross. Yeah, but here's why it's so good. The and then when they get mad, like they fucking do eye glowy things, or they want to like, the, the, like, uh, like the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So that that part like works. That's kind of classic horror stuff. And again, that would be enough. I want to be very clear. That that's all I need of a anthology horror short. What makes this thing is you have to remember they're coming from a universe where this is all this guy, this demon dick monster guy's ever known. He is also horrified by everything he sees. He's frustrated that there's a picture of them in a loving couple. And like, as he looks around this vanilla, non antichrist satanic demon dick world is like horrifying to him as well. And he also, in his attempt to show his parallel universe wife, his dick gets fucking wrecked by her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, so it, what ends up being very funny is you think it's just going to be about the t- the two wives getting getting wrecked, and the wife in the normal universe. Um, wow, that's actually that's somewhat judgmental. We don't use normal; we say typical. <laughs> the uh, Judeo Christian, <laughs> um, the non Satanic universe. Sure. Uh, um. The wife in the, um, you know, Christian patriarchal uh, overbearing universe, um, she stabs him, stabs the, the demon guy in his cock yeah. and then killed him. A lot of surface and the, area. Uh, sorry, not killed him. Doesn't kill him, but sends, Send him, him, sends him like running back into the time portal. But from like, his perspective, he's like, like what do I here. do? I got my, that's my dick. Like, like there is the thing of like, is what, what does that mean when you show your dick to your parallel universe wife? I don't know. There's probably a lot of ethics that need to be written about that. But from his perspective, it's just like he doesn't think his dick's weird. <laughs> he thinks it's just what dicks are. Also, I think both of them were kind of being like, "I could bang my bang my parallel universe wife." That's yeah, again, fine, I don't right? know. I don't know the ethics of it. It's kind of like banging your clone. What are the rules? No one. Yeah. Knows. If it's consensual, no rules. Um, <laughs> and consent requires knowledge. So it seems like he is making an assumption that like it's okay to like in their universe to like wake your wife up with your demon hand dick and in their universe they're probably like this is how we initiate sex yeah it's not i don't take her to fuddruckers first yeah i'm not here to judge is what i'm saying like in our universe yes absolutely unacceptable but yeah i i can't judge another antichrist based universe yeah not not, fairly And I love, I love, you're, you're right. The fun part of this is that he runs back through the, both of them run back through the portal horrified. It's not one of them's like, I can corrupt this universe. He's like, these people are fucking dorks. These people are, yeah, they're, ter- they're both terrifying to each other, which is what I think the brilliance of the segment is because it's easy to see this as like the, the guy from the Antichrist universe is evil and he's good and like his his plan is more sinister than this other guy but that's not true they both are doing the same thing they're both kind of innocent i mean innocent quote unquote silly guys in their own universe and they're equally shocked and horrified by what they see when they go on the other side and that the point that's the genius of it the point that you're making is <clears throat> absolutely founded in the finale of the segment which is um that the um, 
the uh, demon Marta says, I am executing my right to punish domestic violence within my own home. So it's not that the demon universe is is purely uh, thelemic or um, do as thou will. And there's no there's no uh, sense of crime in that universe. It's very much about consent. The two young boys that were coming over to like fuck and do a blood orgy and get sacrificed or whatever. They were doing it consensually. They're like, that'd be a fun That'd be a fun Saturday night. Yeah, and he's us. and he's asked to be included, and like you know, oh well, if you want to be included, that's fine. And she's like, oh, you hit me. She's blaming both of them are blaming each other for each other's crimes, right? Yeah. Um, she's blaming the uh d- demon uh demon protagonist uh for the crimes of uh non demon protagonist uh because he hit her trying to get back through the portal, and she's like, that's not. That's not okay by any stretch, which we would agree with. You're not allowed to hit your wife. Yeah. Um, and also, when he punches her, when, you, when you've seen this a couple times, you, you punches her, you're like, you probably could have just gone through the portal. You didn't have to jack her face. Yeah. But he's scared of her because she's got a demon vagina. Um, well, and, and then the other guy dies from, yeah, from the other Marta being like, hey, that guy with the demon dick is uh not cool and he's downstairs in my basement now which i also don't like so i'm gonna go stab him but of course in the you know poetic justice he she stabs his her own husband yeah her own her own alfonso um so yeah it ends up it ends up um marta's end up killing their own alfonso's for the crimes of the other the Alfonso's, Alfonso's pay for the crimes of the other alfonso in a, in a mirror and it's one of those segments that like when i first watched it i was just like this is stupid. I like the idea that the universe is because there's infinite universes. This one is like five universes over, right? Like because of the infinite universes, you have to allow for the fact that most of the things will be the same. Yeah. It's not the stupid thing that they have in like, uh, what's it? Um, what's the, what's the King Ghidorah Heisei era movie where they're like, all we did was we just dropped King Ghidorah off in the oh, past. Yeah. And then King Ghidorah happened instead of Godzilla. That's how or, that's how time travel works, right? It's not that. It's actually them them making like a calculation. They're like, if there's infinite universes, there is a universe that is exactly the same as yours, except for you put on a blue shirt that day, right? Yeah. And they're doing it like five universes over. So like everything is basically the same, except for some very fucking notable changes <laughs> yeah. in the culture. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I I, I love that because it kind of forgives. The ridiculousness of them even being able to have a conversation. Well, and yeah, 100%. And the other thing, like I said, so many of these parallel universes, when they end up in a quote-unquote evil parallel universe, the people in that parallel universe think of themselves as evil, right? But again, to them... See community. Yeah, to them, it's just... Uh, it's just their universe. So they don't know any different. They don't know they're an evil universe. And of course, they would also be shocked with some of the changes. Um, not because, again, they're committed to being evil and bad and satanic, but that's the god they worship. And so, yeah, that's all they know. It's uh, it's right to them. Peter, talk us through our, uh, our special little boy segment, our special little boys segment, uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, with a bone storm. I think when I saw the segment, I wasn't, like, in love with these guys. I think I'd seen Resolution and appreciated it, but I wasn't, like, you know, tracking them endlessly on IMDb the way that let, I have let me, in the Let past me tell you years. what happened, because I just watched this two Spooktobers ago. Uh, I did not know they directed this until I rewatched it this time and was doing some research. I had no fucking idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it because of the way the 
these movies work um unless you sit through the credits you're not gonna know you're also not gonna know unless you go on wikipedia what the name of the segments are right like even calling it bone storm like that's that's just like what it's called in the script right um so uh these dirtbag dirtbag skateboarder kids are riding around la getting yelled at getting injured they hire uh a videographer off of craigslist to just film them and he's got a different focus he's like i want to see you guys get injured because like the jackass tapes make more money than skateboarding tapes skateboarding tapes make nothing jackass tapes yeah um, i mean he gets it yeah he gets some blood on blood on it and so what the amazing thing is is Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead took me on a time machine back to the long, long ago time where I used to watch skateboarding videos. Oh, Peter. And Do you know, like me, you don't you don't really refer to this as breaking up, but like I, I had two, you know, in elementary school, there was three of us that were like best friends. And the reason that I drifted away from those two guys is that their entire lives in junior high became skateboarding. And I had no interest in skateboarding. But it wasn't just that they liked going out and skateboarding, which, again, this is not meant to sound judgy. I get this is how hobbies work. Uh, And when you're an outsider to those hobbies and that's all anyone cares about because that's how 13-year-olds work, it's very uh, not fun. But, yeah, they, like, just obsessed with different decks and other things that are skateboarding and reading skateboard magazine it was all skateboards all the time and i was could not have cared less eventually i liked i liked the ones where the the people were funny and they would leave in them fucking up tricks and they liked the ones my friends liked the ones where somebody just pulled off a pop shove it perfectly yeah um and I, uh, they were worried about like form and stuff. And I was just like, I just like seeing, um, goofballs goofing about. Um, I fell out of this pretty quickly because I never could do anything on a skateboard. Yeah, um, I could fall. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I could do one thing. On I mean, a that's a trick that happens in Tony Hawk too. So much like mm-hmm. Tony Hawk, I can also fall off a skateboard. I can ride on a relatively flat plane indefinitely. Okay. So two two tricks. That's it. Great. Um, so uh, this one is kind of fun because they are returning to having some like douchebags in this, but they're kids. So they're like kid, scumbag little kids. And so it's fun that they're scumbag little kids because they're just like skateboarding punk kids. And they're just like trying to get like... They're trying to get their skateboard tricks down. They're trying to get famous. They're trying to get drunk. They're trying to do whatever they can to, like, just have fun. And, like, um, they, uh, one of the, the, the videographer guy says, um, you know, there's, like, some awesome skating down in, in Tijuana that, uh, they like you know the cops won't bother you and we can do like some sick some sick shit uh down there and they're all like well where are we gonna get fucking money and the videographer's like you hired me off craigslist i'm not fucking paying for it so they find another kid who like has his dad's credit card or whatever to pay for their trip from la to tijuana for gas money um and i also really like this because um justin benson and aaron moorhead are like san diego natives um and um, then they moved to L.A. for uh, filmmaking. And uh, I do like this, like, fun recognition that, like, you can you can just cross the border whatever whenever you like. Like, it's it's sort of a lo- localized horror um, little segment. 
I don't totally love the fact that Tijuana is just seen as a source of horror. Because, like, there's wonderful, amazing people that live there. And the in this segment, there's, like, nothing but, like, inept cops and... Uh, well, Peter, I don't know if you know this, cultists. But, but skateboarding is not a crime. <laughs> I've seen I've seen some stickers that would that would indicate that. I've also seen some um some signs outside. In retrospect, I know there wasn't an easy way to order t-shirts that had whatever you wanted on them, but I wish in, when I was 13 I had gotten a shirt that said skateboarding is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't at that level of irony yet, I don't think. Uh um, no, I don't think my friends would have found it funny at all. But uh Yeah, Gen X was just mad. They didn't know how to turn that into I'm not in Gen X. reality. I know, but I'm saying I the had to people listen. that you were. I'm saying the people that you were emulating, the Gen X I wasn't skateboard generation. I didn't like that generation, Peter. I got into Bush in the year of our Lord, 1998, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Peace be upon them. Um, so they go down to this like ditch in Tijuana, and they like. This is what I love about this. They're using all these skateboard video uh, editing techniques, even after. They're being attacked by cultists. Well, yeah, because they can still do some quick, quick uh, flip tricks, slow mo, yeah. and like washed out photography, yeah. and, like it pan shots. They're doing all these like all these things, and they're all shot on GoPros and the videographer until the videographer gets fucking murdered. Well, yeah, and th- there's all these great details, even though it's a, it's essentially skateboard punks versus skeleton but it is funnier because he cuts himself doing a trick and it just happens to be in the like so the de- the zombie demon summoning circle and then all of a sudden monsters start rising from the grave yeah and there's something there's something in the sewers some sort of big like blood god in the yeah. sewers that like breathes out um it liked all the blood getting spread around and so these cultists start attacking them um, and they start fucking murdering the cultists. One of the kids has a gun, which, by the way, I don't know how he got it. Like, I don't know how he was planning on getting it back across the Oh, board. you don't know that how easy it is for kids to get guns in this country, Pete? <laughs> have I you, mean, have you tried it, reading the fucking news? Getting it into Mexico is hard. Getting it into the United States is impossible. <laughs> well, um, why would you want to? You can buy them here. Uh, I, as someone who's made the border crossing into Tijuana a lot, you do go through metal detectors. I don't know how he did that. Um, yeah, you the kids immediately go to war, and it's so rad. It's it's hard to describe because it's just like chaos of just like them using their decks and like taking bone pieces and stabbing them into the cultist's neck, putting fireworks inside of a, a skeleton who flicks them off before it, it blows up. It's 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 emulating the aesthetics of a uh, skateboard video um, to make a, a, a amazing action sequence. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, it's great. Uh, VHS ninety four, Peter. I'm going to let you go first on this one, mainly because I want to make sure you get to talk about the Timo uh, one as as you go through. But yeah, the framing device in this one is pretty good. It's a bunch. It's it. It uses its 1994 um, videography well. I think in some ways it makes more sense why there's so many things shot on video. To your point, even by the time that 2012 came out, everyone had smartphones and video cameras on their phone. But it's fine. It works. It's not a questioning. Uh, I don't want to see a bunch of smartphone videos over the cool VHS aesthetic. The... um, But yeah, there's a bunch of cops and they're going to what they think is a drug house... Spoiler alert. 
not a drug house. It, well, it is It is a drug because the VHS tapes end up being highly drug. addictive yeah. and it turns people into like drug cultists, right? Yeah, but they're going to go through throughout this as like a mini version of the safe haven haunted house, except it's empty and you see a lot of aftermath and weirdo stuff and, you know, dead bodies and chairs upside down and like TVs in every room with the static on. It's It's really great. Yeah, and just a real quick note here. Um, it's This one is written by David Bruckner and Brad Miska, which is a little bit of a change of pace um, because usually each segment is written either by the director, credited uh, to the director, or credited to a separate screenwriter like Adam Wingard, Simon Barrett. Mm-hmm. In this one, um, essentially David Bruckner and Brad Miska, it seems like from my research, wrote all of the segments and then the directors were allowed to play around with the dialogue and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they wanted to do that, I think, to course correct after viral, make a little bit of consistency. Yeah, that is that is my that is my my supposition. Who? What's? Uh, do you know what's happening in ninety nine? I guess we'll 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 be talking about it if you're a listener next. So never mind. It's Forget a direct it. continuation it. because it's it's the same money backers. So it's the AMC like uh, you know Shutter kind of collective, same yeah. money backer, and um, yeah, it's 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 the it's a similar crew. I think Bruckner had to step back a little bit, but we'll find out when the movie comes out because it'll. Get all of its wikipedia credits yeah um and i'll tell you what if you just are tired and you accidentally search 99 with no other context there's a toto song called 99 huh <laughs> so it's gonna be yeah. gonna be your google search results in case you ever were curious uh what other um, songs I- can you come up with with numbers try it out at your home google uh but yeah it's, a, it's maybe good. toto was just looking into the future and they were like what is what are good seo terms it reminds me a numbers? lot of the what? continent of africa <laughs> what what the uh he blessed the rains bud you're blessed the rains anywhere let alone a whole continent <laughs> man full of judgment today you called the, you called the judeo-christian universe normal um you don't like what toto talks about just i don't know where's my where's my good friend and podcast co-host <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm here to I'm here to harm you. Spooktober's um, got the better of you. Uh what this what the uh the framing sequence really reminds me of though is it reminds me of again the there's more like creative fucked upery, but it, it definitely reminds me of um the the most recent Resident Evil games, uh two or seven and eight, where like they just keep looking into rooms and it's weird fucked up shit that scares you from a first person perspective, and that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, and sometimes it's referring to the short, like they walk into a room with a bunch of crosses right before the vampire thing happens. Um, but yeah, the the one thing that I love uh, about this is that it, it it's yeah it's a SWAT team looking for uh, quote unquote drugs. They're supposed to be highly potent and very addictive, and uh, they bring a videographer along. We find out later the reason is because um, two of these cops are um, cultists. Yeah, uh, they're making a new and, drug and. And, and they One want won't to make create more sick. tapes. Yeah. And um, they, uh, but at the time, I believe, I, I rewatched the scene. I believe they're implying that they, this is a, maybe a court ordered or a legal requirement that they have a videographer. So they're, cr- this is sort they're of. They're really, them. they're really ahead of the game. And it's also, another thing they're like just ahead of its time is that when, when they commit horrific, horrible attracts. Jesus Christ. When they commit horrible atrocities, um, they uh, somehow accidentally turn off the video camera. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the guys um, is like, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of codes. And one of them is, tur- is turn the camera off and delete the tape. So, like, there's not there's not really any control. But this is I think this is a VHS 94 because it came out in 2021. I think this is a direct reaction to um, the police brutality thing. Oh, like, yeah. These cops are shitheads and they're fil- they're being filmed because um, they're, you know, the, some sort of uh, juris- jurisdictional uh, oversight. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good excuse. I don't know if in 1994 a single police department in America was doing this, but it is at least a cool idea. Yeah, whoever, um, whoever the cops people followed around. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, I like the idea that the cops are just like, if, if this gets really fucked up, like, you're going to delete the I'm tape. I'm sure that's obviously. what happened in the actual cop show. I'm sure if you got those raw tapes, Peter, there's a lot that they're like, don't show this. I can I can 100% guarantee that that was... I haven't done any research on the show Cops. Me either. I, I guarantee uh, that was yeah. truth because he wants, to, he wants to maintain his relationship with the police departments. Oh, 100%. And also, he's kind of a dickhead, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so talk us through my favorite of these... Peter. Oh, I love Ratma. Um, so uh, Storm Drain is directed by Chloe Okuno. And really quickly, I want to note one of the things that I love about anthology horror movies is that you get to discover new filmmakers. And uh, The Frame is directed by a filmmaker named uh, Jennifer Reeder. Uh, so they're actually bringing in more women uh, horror filmmakers uh, in this movie, um, which the previous ones were all kind of like written and directed by men. Uh, I think I think almost exclusively. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm every single one, I think. But uh, Jennifer Reeder directed the the, the uh, outside context. She made a, a I think a movie that I didn't really like, but some people like a uh, horror movie uh, a couple years ago. Um, and then um, Chloe Akuno, who directed Storm Drain, Chloe her uh, her movie Watcher just came to Shutter. It's supposed to be it's supposed really to be cool. great. Like yeah, Hitchcockian thriller. I will uh, watch that in Spooktober. We've, we've already watched it. Already watched it. Yeah. Um, really hard to predict the future. And, uh, so that was, that was fun because I love the segment so much. I was like, I'll watch whatever the fuck she, she does next. So, uh, local news segment is covering, uh, sightings of a, uh, new cryptid. It's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be like a kooky local news story, you know, like. Local yeah, like news, all like, those things of like those, those crude drawings of like, you know, the, the mothman who lives in the sewer or something. And I, you, I think we forget that like growing up local news was not quite as, directly harmful as it is now and yeah because it, it was just it years. was a there was no corporate overlords it wasn't like all still owned by eight companies it really was like some local guy who bought the rights to nbc in that town and ran the affiliate right like which is also yeah. why like shows like shows were so fucked up that like if you like people would refuse to air stuff like Right now, if you're watching ABC at 9 p.m. and anywhere in the country, you're watching likely the same thing. Back then, it'd be like, well, yeah, uh, we don't want to air that show at that time or air it at all. Sometimes, like you had to pitch to this to the to the like the the local markets to convince them to essentially air the thing that they were allowed to air. It, bizarre. Some of that's detailed in the um, the Conan Jay Leno book that kind of talks about like that whole thing about like. How, like, there was a big pitch to, like, convince all of the different affiliates to, like, carry the Jay Leno show. And they had this, like, big wine and dine thing. So, like, even as recently as whatever that was, 13 years ago, there still was a, like, uh, just because NBC was saying they were going to carry the Jay Leno show didn't mean that the local markets had to carry the Jay Leno show. Yeah, and there's a there's a great joke in 30 Rock. Um, 
about uh, uh there's a gay kid from small town america who liz uh, is like liz's nephew or cousin or whatever and she accidentally outs him at thanksgiving he comes and lives there in the big city and he's like i have never lived like a non-repressed lifestyle like i need to i need to come out and visit you and like do that when they and he says he says a joke that i had forgotten he's like they edited will and grace down so much that it was just called karen <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things, right? Like, why one of the reasons why they were afraid to put, quote-unquote, like, uh, gay people on television or non-white people is because, like, southern markets and some other markets wouldn't want to carry the show. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is, like, what local news used to be instead of just, like, this Reagan hour of, like, hey, did you know your kids might be doing this new drug, Jankum? I forgot about Jankum. Yeah, or, yeah, the new one is uh, Rainbow Fentanyl. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, which all your kids, by the time you hear this, all of your kids will be dead from Rainbow Fentanyl because it will. Well, they're going to have, they're going to request it personally at all the trick-or-treat houses they're going to go Oh, to. sorry, timing-wise, you're going to, your kids will all be dead from Rainbow Fentanyl by Yeah, a couple, like, I, got a, I got a couple more days left. I'm going to try it, too. Yeah, Taste the rainbow, Peter. Um... The 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 uh, strangers are trying to kill your kids with razor blades and high doses of drugs. Things one thing, just like yeah, one, one thing I hate keep, is strangers. They just keep fucking white scrubbing the. They just keep fucking. It's like a reskin in a video game. They just keep doing it over and over again. They're like, ah, but hold on, it's not Fortnite. Now, it's got Goku in it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this this lady's covering a story of a rat man. Yes. It's supposed to be a local cryptid. It's very much supposed to be just like a kooky local news piece that her her editors like or her uh, her anchor is like pushing her to do. She's pressured to go down into the sewers to get the shot, and they're they get the shot, and then they're like enticed to stay because she sees uh, a homeless person down there, and she's like, "I can make this a real story. This doesn't have to be a flaw." Yeah, piece, I, I'm gonna actually know? make it. And there's like things about like her having a drinking problem, which is why she's been relegated to these these stories or something like that. Which yeah, and like it's also like it explains kind of her her being like I. I would like to, you know, find some purpose, right? Because like so, a lot of times, like the thing that like gets you out of an addiction or a, a bad track in life is being like, yeah. I'm going to find a new thing that makes me like, you know, feel like a, a positive mental energy that's not just more drugs. And and so like you kind of like I identified with her like really quickly to just be like, she she's pissed she's pissed to be at this job, but she's like I'm gonna make the best out of it. Like that sort of like I'm gonna turn some energy this negative energy into good energy is 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 pretty cool. And then her there's a there's just she's like she sees a local homeless person living in the sewers, and she's like I'm going to go interview him. And the cameraman's like Oh, you actually trying to help this person, or are you just like hunting for cachet? Are you hunting for your Pulitzer? Or are you actually trying like is this sincere interest? And she just kind of like ignores him and you never really like find out how sincere her interest is because she's too terrified after a certain point yeah so one Um, thing i want to call out really quickly because her walking slowly through these sewers is so critical and again i i'm pretty sure this is true i had a really hard time finding out some of the like shooting and making it but it's definitely true just like looking at footage and knowing what the footage looks like so i'm pretty sure for the first two vhs movies they are shooting on like uh, modified digital video that is given like there 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 are filters that make things look more VHSy right, and then for viral, 
they are almost uncaringly just shooting on digital video without a lot of the, you know, they do a little more of the like effects and tracking things and stuff like that, but it still is clearly like digital video and then, and then like some effects layered over it that makes, gives it a VHS vibe and tracking things and a little bit of blurriness and stuff like that. I am pretty sure that one of two things happened since viral one that that technology improved greatly. I actually don't think that's the case. I think they're shooting on real VHS cameras for this movie. Um, and they're definitely... The aesthetic, the aesthetic vibe is way stronger all across the board. In because this one, I-, I couldn't get great definitive answers on... I was looking this up as well. I couldn't get great definitive answers, but I, I think you're right. Here. So I'm... Because I'm, I'm 100% sure this segment is. Because... Uh, and I, th- I think this goes through most of them, too. But the thing that that kind of digital artifacts that you can overlay and uh, there's even a TikTok filter that makes it look very convincingly like a VHS movie that like is just something you can do on your phone today. Why I know that this is different is because and this is really pronounced in the low light segment of the of the, the Ratma is because they're. The thing that no thing that's trying to produce VHS does is this weird cloudy blurriness that happens. It's kind of hard to describe, but like the thing is, is like it's almost like a if you move in low light, which a lot of these segments take place in, it almost looks like the images bounce a little bit. Like they, they float for a second when you stop the camera. Uh, when I watch home movies that are shot on VHS that we have that camera effect happens all the time. Like if you're in candles in low light, it's almost like it, it just, you, you, you hang in the, the images and the things you're focusing on hang in the air in a second. And that happens in these segments all the time. And I think that's so important because it lends an, like I wouldn't have noticed as much unless I watched them all back to back and noticed just the, the aesthetic and the vibe of this one, especially in like the Ratma sub segment and some of those other things, like the descent into this sewer feels more real because it's clearly shot on like a VHS tape and they're doing really the aesthetic well than like anything else in any of the other movies. Like this is found footage in a way that like they are shooting on VHS very clearly. Yeah. I think, I think that, uh, I think you're right. I'm going to go along with like your combo of like, like research, and then take that to kind of extend that beyond uh, this segment, because like I very much feel that in um, Terror, which is my favorite segment of VHS 94. Um, and it sounds like Terror, a lot of people didn't really like it, but Terror is absolutely my favorite segment of VHS 94 and one of my favorite segments in all the, all the movies. Terror feels that same way. The... The 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 way that light is yeah. captured and the, and that so that yellow sodium light of like security lights and street lights the way that like date the blandness of daylight film is captured yeah. on VHS like it it just they capture it in a way that like uh feels legitimate it, after it makes it um, it makes it very apparent which makes sense from a budgetary perspective right like it just but it it makes sense that those first three vhs movies are what i've always suspected which is this is digital video in viral they don't try to hide it viral is just clearly digital video but viral is also supposed to take place post 1998 or whatever viral is supposed to take place you know basically in 2013 
14. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's clear that even the first two are digital video, which makes sense. Why would they go do, try to shoot something on actual VHS for these things? And the easy-to-do effects are layered over it. Um, but I, I would bet a lot of money, having watched so many home movies and so many, like, those things on VHS, that the, these are 100% shot on VHS. Yeah, yeah. So she gets down in the sewers and uh, she starts saying, like, I can help you. She's surrounded by homeless people um, who are uh, threatening in this capacity. Um, And uh, she says, "Uh, I can help you. Like, we're trying to we're trying to tell your story. And uh, a voice calls out from the darkness who's actually the priest who was being interviewed as part of this local news mockumentary section. Um, he says, help. How would you help? Like, yeah. And she's like, we can tell your story. We can raise awareness. And he's like, we, that's not what we're interested in. Yeah. Um, and he, he's like, we're going to tell our own story. So he's actually co-opting this local news camera crew to film all this stuff and get what they can onto TV. So, he calls out down a tunnel to a uh, their god, which is Ratma. Ratma is similar to the Minotaur god in Safe Haven in that, like, from the neck down, it seems mostly normal, but the head is all fucked up. Yeah, it look um, it looks head. like a combination of uh, the alien and a rat. From, from yeah, because it's got a long sort of like sloped jaw. It's got fucked up weird little eyes on the top of its head. It's It has a vague humanoid kind of look while also clearly being like a, a, a sewer mutant freak. And the human features make it more disturbing, not less. Um, so like recognizing human features within this context actually is more disturbing. And yeah. it's got these like long teeth, but I think they're kind of like human, like, you know, like square kind of not square like a, a, a car an omnivore teeth but like you know like they're not like a series of incisors the way that like a carnivore's teeth would be um it is ugh, the, the the monster design on ratma is incredible the way that they're all calling to him and he's just coming through this like ceremonial tunnel to perform this this act the fact the that fact his that acid or his like spit or whatever they worship like just fucking wrecks faster than like the alien acid blood yeah and it and the thing is you don't know if ratma is actually some sort of holy figure or if there's just a bunch of fucking weirdos that worship this thing in the sewer but what you do know is that his uh his blood you get anointed with it so one guy gets anointed with it and he dies and melts his fucking face off and then when they anoint Holly, the camp, the the uh, the lead uh, anchor, the the journalist, she just uh, cries and suffers the the pain of this, but she's not melting. Like the no. anointing, she survived the anointing, and that process is part of like a cultic ritual. And she, uh, and then as she's getting vomited, and you're seeing like the the VHS camera tape, sort of they're like they're like almost like speeding through the horrifying part. Um, and they're like adding some distortion and then it cuts to a commercial for a veggie masher. Yeah. Uh, it's a smash cut joke about Ratma regurgitating food onto their face. Yeah. Well, and then it cuts to her now being the anchor at the zoo or the, the news and they found her after. I call the news the zoo. Look, it is very late. 
We've been recording for a long time. Uh, my words, I've had zero drinks, Peter. Zero drinks. I can't take it with my back medicine. My mind is just falling apart. I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, she's back at the the news and is an anchor and starts saying rap ma every, every other word. And then when her, uh, her co-anchor questions it, she uh, vomits blood on it or bl- vomits the black goo on his face. And in a full-on Scanners level, Return of the Living Dead level gore effect, 1980s gore effect, he is screaming and clawing off flesh off of his skeleton face, and he is still screaming as you are seeing exposed skeleton face. And then you can hear in the background everyone screaming, like running out of the the news, and she's just smiling and being like, Hail Ratma, and then the segment ends. It is so good. So it, it's, my, it's my it's my like this this one I agree upon rewatch P- Peter this is all heavy hitters but this one's my favorite it's so, so creepy and scary uh so uh Simon Barrett comes back to be the writer director he uh he had left his writing partnership with Adam Wingard in 2016 after Blair Witch uh he made Seance which is a movie I really like that I think I forget if it was last Spooktober or two Spooktobers ago because Spooktobers run together Peter. But we all watched it, me, uh, you, and Ryan, and we all really liked it. Um, oh, I really like Seance. It's really fun. And I, he brings that same energy here. This one is also uh, one of – I think the first – the last two of this are cool as shit, and the first two are the really scary ones. Um, Because – Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't get scared in the last two. I love them, but I'm not, like, scared. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Rama down in that sewer and the, the parts of the empty casket, like, hit that kind of, like, perfect level of found footage, just, like, uh, creepiness to the point of, like, being unnerved to the point of, like, all right, this is really starting to 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 hit my nerve. So, yeah, a woman is hired to watch over a casket. Um, uh, they're doing a 24-hour wake. They're filming it for the family. Uh, it's like a rainy church in Florida and no one's there really. Uh, but things start, weird things start happening. Noises, chairs moving, all the other normal stuff. And she's getting creeped out and she just spends a lot of time walking around as alone. And if any of you, if you've ever spent time in like a, uh, like a, like an old, like church basement or something like that for like that whole vibe is there that idea of like being alone in these like weird rooms with old shit and you can almost like get the smell of like linoleum from 50 years ago and old wallpaper and all the other stuff like it just exudes through this uh and yeah there's a there's a there's a strength here and i've talked about it in previous episodes or notably for this but like the banality mashed up against the the horror is why it's so scary because like there are shots in this that could just be the real thing happening. Yeah. Like a, a, a woman standing at a wake. Like that, there are, sh- there are many shots in this that could just be video footage of a woman standing at a lake, video footage of a a, a reporter standing in a sewer reporting on yep. you know, local homeless population. Like the, the banality of it is what makes it, it, it sing. A hundred percent. And yeah, so this, this kind of continues to pace. There's like a rainstorm, so she can't leave. She's calling friends. Some guy finally comes to visit. He's a creep. Uh, you know, all, all these things are happening. She's like saying, well, what, what? She starts seeing things move and she's getting scared. She's like, I need to leave. And she gets kind of berated by the whatever company's hiring her and being like, uh, what are you talking about? You have to leave. Like, this is your first job. You can't even stay at an empty, you know, 
can't say it a basically empty wake for the whole time. It's ridiculous. Like, so she like keeps trying to power through and like the coup de gras where you get to at the end. It's, it's a lot of style, uh, of being of just this woman alone and these different video cameras that are recording her in a progressively creepy with a dead body. Eventually she, she leaves the room and she comes back and the casket is knocked off and it's empty and she turns over slowly in this great scene, and there is a, a guy just facing the wall. Um, and it's slow, and the camera just stays on it for far too long. Like, the stillness really gets under your skin. And she's under the impression that they've made a mistake. Like, hey, oh my gosh, like you're never going to believe this. You were in a casket. So all the doctors were wrong. Like, she's trying to talk to him like that. And all of a sudden, uh, the the guy turns around and he's like gone from the chin up, like there's no head, basically. There's it's, a neck, uh, a stub, no head. It so okay. So it's actually that his um, he was sewn back together because he was so chopped up. His head oh, is yeah. dissected like left to right corner. Um, it's still so, sorry. It's still on the ground because when it when the casket yes. fell. Yes, yes. But it's not there when he turns around. Yeah, it it just looks like a mash of blood um, when he turns around. But so she's scared and stumbles uh, and falls over the other part of his head. And then she sees the eyes move on the top part of the head. And she's very scared. And there's running away from it. And there's screaming. And yeah, uh, she dies and it's terrifying. Well, the, the, the cool part about this is that the eye, when it's, you know, it's just like a zombie section, you know, it, it's really scary, but there's just a zombie section. The eye on the ground sees her, which allows oh, the yeah. body. That's, the that's, body that's classic her. reanimator shit, right, too? Yeah. That, like, this is a supernatural thing. Yeah. This is not, it's obvious at this point that, like, this guy was so chopped up and put and sewn back together that this is not just, like, a guy who somehow survived um his embalming this is this is a supernatural event and this guy was involved in some creepy cult shit yeah and it's it's so great and again it's there is that that shot that really stays with me is just like and this is something that like ty west pulls off in the innkeepers which we already talked about like something wrong but you're not sure how wrong it is yet and just sitting without movement is like one of the scariest things in the world and and yeah when he is clearly the casket's off, he's out of it, and he's facing the wall, and she's talking to him, but he's just not moving for for way too long. That is yeah. so good at being unnerving. And, it, it, of course, the the actual VHS cinematography stuff in, the, in a dark room where the power's out uh, in the middle of a hurricane or whatever helps uh, quite a bit. Peter! Yeah, and then the, oh. the last shot is her wandering out through a oh, hole yeah. in the wall, and you're not really sure what state she's in. I would say zombie. Um, can I intercut really quickly from something from the frame, because this sets up the ending? Sure. Um, they see a TV, uh, and there's a voice over an intercom, because this is like a, a VHS cult. Um, and the voice says, all are welcome, all are watching. Finally, followers, tonight is the night you've been waiting for. Track my signal. The signal is the stimulant. The, sti- the signal is the sedative. The signal is, sta- is salvation. Forever starts right now. So this is like a VHS cult that like they hear that there's potent drugs there. The drugs are the VHS tapes that people get so obsessed with that their fucking eyes, they either remove their eyes so that they can witness this uh, 
or their eyes get removed as some part of the process. Like this is this is trying to take the fact that we saw so many eyeless people in the previous movies and turning it into some sort of canon. And uh, it's almost like a Grant Morrison, Alan Moore kind of cosmic horror twist where like something banal watching a VHS tape gives these people access to the infinite cosmic horror of of the thing and that's part of the reason i love the framing device so much is it's like this banal thing watching a tape you see something so unbelievable that it gives you access to cosmic a uh, cosmic uh, inscrutability and i love 100 percent. i'll do the subject yeah uh it's, it's a frankenstein tetsuo <laughs> mashup yeah, okay. gross out riff um a crazy scientist is abducting people, men and women, turning them into Frankenstein uh, mashups. Very much reminds me of uh, or Resident Evil Eight. Um, has some as a, a guy like this kind of. Um, and uh, he's doing experiments, and as and our, our POV character is a woman who was experimented on. There's also a man who was made into more of like a war machine with a big machete arm, a Final Fantasy Seven Buster Sword kind of arm, um, and he. Uh, she is her camera eye that she was given is the POV. So like we've had we've had eyes before as like transplants. We've had, you know, fr- glasses frames. We've had, you know, crews just walking around with a camera. This is like her optics are being tapped into. So you're seeing yeah. like first person action from an actual eye, not like a chest cam or anything. Dr. Suhendra is uh this is directed by Timo. Uh Dr. Suhendra is, uh, it's all in Indonesian, um, and, uh, he is, uh, doing these horrifying experiments. He, the cops burst in, the cops are going, uh, off, off, um, off orders or whatever to execute him because they see the horrors that he's brought on. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't like it. They don't like a bunch of weird spider men in a different way. Robot spider men. All essentially all of his men follow the commander leader. We'll call him the commander, who's like very macho and very much like I'm not bringing any of these people that have been experimented on home. We're killing all of them. Yeah, but they I'm also have them. like there's the missing. The, the you, you realize that like there's a missing girl they're specifically trying to find that's on the news and stuff that's like our protagonist. Yes, and even after they recognize that that missing girl is the protagonist, he's like I'm not bringing that home to his parent, yeah. her parents. So. Um, as they're about to execute her, the cameraman is, 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 uh, there's, there's a two, there's a cameraman also to give us a second perspective. Uh, I guess he's sort of performing the function of the other policeman cameraman guy. Um, it makes less sense in this one. Um, the cameraman is, 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 uh, protesting, protesting, and then all the lights shut off and then the place ends up being a death trap, like a saw-like death trap. And you hear the voice of the dead Dr. Suhendra, who's like, you fucked up, like, this means I'm dead. Um, none of you are making out of this basement alive. Good luck. That rises uh, the woman's uh, co-victim, yeah. um, who is the man, who starts chopping them in half like they're fucking like pieces of paper. It's so, it's so It good. goes on for so long. And, and that way it does remind me of Safe Haven. Like once the, the – why Safe Haven so good is like – Usually, when you're at that like uh, that level of horrific imagery, it's it's quick. You get like 45 seconds of it, and then it kind of goes away. 
when that doesn't happen in Safe ha- Haven, it's what like there's 15 minutes of just insanity pile insanity. It's why people love, yeah. I think, the um, the purge uh, purge room or purge segment from um, Cabin in the Woods because it's like you've been getting a taste of these meta monsters and like how they exist, and then to get 25 minutes of their rampaging chaos and full gl- full scenes of and little minor starring roles for everything that you've seen on the whiteboard and passed by in the glass room like it just feels so like I can't believe I'm getting something like this and this this has that same impact right the amount of <laughs> cops that these cybernetic creatures just mow down just seems never ending and in the creative ways that their machine uh, appendages are able to destroy things. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's 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 a like uh like a cyberpunk metal punk kind of freak out. It reminds me of the movie Hardware, um directed by nobody. Which I've not directed by nobody. Yeah. You actually um, can't watch you, that movie anymore. It's it's a it's a really good movie directed by nobody. Yeah. Um uh it reminds me of Hardware in the sense that it's like this cyber mashup of like raw humanity but also this like these like machines that are just like nuts and bolts killing machines kind of pushed forward on just in like an urge to survive um it's really it's a it's a really cool movie um but um the the um she eventually finds a machine gun hand it's like a m4 version of a robocop hand i think in in robocop 3 he gets like a robocop machine gun arm (laughs) and he and it's it's basically that uh, i'm trying to think of a more prescient reference <laughs> barrett from final fantasy 7 maybe this segment is just inspired by final fantasy 7 uh machine gun arm yeah um planet terror um is probably maybe the closest one where she has amp- amputee um machine gun arms and legs um that's uh and that's kind of it like it it, it it's it's a have to see it to believe it kind of thing because it's just wall to wall practical effects up against cgi where it doesn't it doesn't count and then sometimes you're like oh that is a practical effect like holy shit you actually built like a weird model that an actor is actually like tearing apart with their hands (laughs) like it's it's so impressive especially given like how little time these these directors get um but go timo we love timo we love timo please clap with your metal arms uh i the last segment aaron yeah I have to say something. Never seen anything by this director. Love to see, love to see uh, his other work. Ryan, Ryan Prue's. Like I'd love to see more of his stuff. It's my favorite segment here. I'm surprised. Like, I always thought Timo's segment was your favorite. I, I listen. I'm Team Timo. Okay, I'm Team Timo. But Terror is one of my favorite segments, uh, and it will rank high in my ranking. Um, it's incredible. Do you want to take me through yeah, Terror? Yeah, so Terror is a very fun. Uh, it, it's commenting on a lot of things, right? It's a right-wing militia group in Michigan who is trying to take their country back. And it it, it is so funny. Like, I think there was an, there's an easy way to make this eye-rolling, and it's not. Um, but it, it just hits a lot of that, like, gun-nut vernacular, right? Like... They're just sitting around talking about their guns, talking about how cool is the militia, saying stuff like, oh, that gun's so big, it makes my dick hard. Like, you know, it's it's a lot of that in a way that seems funny. 
Um, and then also, even though it takes place ostensibly in 1994, like referencing a lot of the current political climate as well. In a way, it's funny. But essentially, these militiamen have a little secret, Peter. They have uh, their their plan is to take their country back and to lead an uprising and a revolution. But their secret is, is that up in one of the barns, they have an, uh, a vampire, which they are keeping uh, under under lock and key, so to speak. But they are taking its blood out. They're milking. They're milking the vampire. Uh, and they are in, uh, because, because the vampire's blood or milk uh, explodes in sunlight. And they're injecting it into rabbits, which is very Monty Python-esque in the best way. Um, and you, it takes a little bit, like, this is somewhat, all these segments are a little longer than I think some of the other ones. It takes you a little bit to kind of figure out what's going on. Like, they're very worried about the bunnies, and they're doing these tests on them, and, like, at one point, there's, like, a bunny explosion that happens too soon and causes a bunch of uh, problems, but, like, eventually, like, again, because of some, some accidents, the vampire gets out, and I will say, Peter... The vampire design is one of the the scariest things to look at. Like it is uncomfortable to look at in a, in a way that's very hard for me to describe. I love this segment because of that design. It, it's almost like they took the blade two thing and they were like, "What if we went further?" Yeah. Um, very uncomfortable, and the fact that they really build a lot of empathy for the the daytime. Uh, untransformed vampire. Yeah. Because he's just constantly being executed by these white supremacist fucks. And um, the the fact that their blood is like, it actually explodes, <laughs> yeah. like it actually is a piece of ordinance yeah. is such a cool twist. Like, all of this I love. I I love that it's, it's reacting to the vampire myth and they're like, what if we just make a few little, a few tweaks to the vampire myth? Um, and then mash it up against white supremacist Christian nationalists who yeah. would see vampires as like means the, to the most end. abhorrent thing. Yeah. But a means to an exactly to a means to an end. And they keep referring to him as the abomination. Um and I you wonder at the end, you're like you wonder at the end, you're like, did this thing kill a bunch of them and that and they caught it doing that? Or <laughs> Is the reason this thing is so fucking brutal to them when it finally breaks out of his cage because it's been executed and tortured by them every day despite him begging. Like, you wonder if this thing is truly an abomination or this thing is just so fucking over being tortured and executed every day. It's possible. I mean, like, the thing is, Peter, if you are not a white supremacist, Christian, nationalist, fascist or whatever... You have to hang around them all the time. If you have a different political ideology, I mean, it's going to be incredibly tense the whole time. So, like, it, like I know people are like, oh, don't bring politics into it. Uh, don't kill your political opponents. But I think it may be one of those situations where, like, he's offend- effectively just disagrees with their politics and takes it out by killing them all. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. In, the, in, in, in a certain sense, the vampire was the terrorist all along by not agreeing to a... Um, a healthy debate. Look, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, gotta gotta hear both sides of the story. Yeah, Peter, I love I love so much about this. I love that the cop that brings them extra ordinance is like a white supremacist uh, cop. He has very little fear that it's ever going to come back and yeah, fight him. Yeah, because he's, and then a, he he's ends a cop, up being, and he ends up being murdered in the framing device at the end of this. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. 
Uh, actually, let's not get to it in a second. Let's do it yeah. right now. Um, he gets the. We find out that the two cops in the SWAT uh, framing segment are uh, members of the of the um, VHS cult, and they show they use information from the tape to prove that this guy is like you. You were in this like fucked up little. Yeah, it's situation. so great you when they're get- like, hey, when the cops like, hey, 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 like that's that was me on that tape. Uh, yeah, he recognizes, he recognizes himself, um, lame, recognize lame, and, uh, he, uh, he, they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna murder your ass, like, we're making a sequel to Terror, basically, um, wouldn't it be cool, you, you managed to get away from that fucked up situation, guess what, um, not this time, uh, and uh, the group, the, I think it nails something in a post-Trump world that I think is, is really crucial, which is that they're incompetent, they're stupid, and yet undeniably dangerous. Yeah. Like, they, it doesn't matter that their militia looks like a bunch of fucking clowns. White supremacist militias look like clowns in their training videos. It doesn't matter because they have AK-47s and some of them have a death wish. Yeah, and it also doesn't... And when you have a death wish and you're willing to go shoot up a school, you shoot up a mall, shoot up an FBI headquarters, shoot up a supermarket, if you're willing to, like, put your life on the line like that and you have these insanely dangerous weapons in your hands it doesn't matter that you're the dumbest person on planet earth and should have been snuffed out you can't even not get a bunny to explode to kill you yeah no i i I think that's right and also like this is not particularly like uh a new new thought but these scenes in here do like like them having those opening scenes where they're just all like doing the the normal like fucking you know my guns, my penis stuff, and just like, oh my god, I'd love to fuck. Like, they're just all, they just, that's all they do. They talk about that stuff, because that's all they have. Their, their hobby is being right-wing nutbags and uh, gun owners. Problem with that is, like, is it, it's also just a good reminder, and we see this now, like, more than I ever did earlier, although I know it existed, but, you know, more and more people ascribe to this, like, the, the, at the end of the day, what's going to end up destroying our world and the and the United States and anything else is like tribalism, right? Like they fundamentally, even if the, these people think keeping a vampire is wrong or start to question their 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 terrible terrible belief system, making that determination and that moral calculation separates you from everything you love, which is hanging out with all these dickheads and playing with guns. And so, like it it. It makes it so much easier every time to always go back to this because these are your friends and these are your buddies. And, like, this is what you do during the evening and you're doing fun experiments and you're showing off your new guns and you're you're razzing each other and everything else. And so, like, that is, like, a layer of protection from anyone ever, like, going, oh, shit, is what I'm doing and my what I'm thinking bad? Um, because... When faced with like like a routine and friends over like being morally correct, uh, a lot of people and these are good examples of those people will will choose to have fun with friends. Yeah, I oh man, it's 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 incredible. I I mean, I, I taking that forward, like they have this drunken party where they're celebrating um, because they finally have enough of the beast blood to take to blow up this government building. Yeah. Um, and, um, they're celebrating and like, 
the this is weirdly enough when I thought the I was most impressed with the photography it very much reminded me of American movie yeah what'd you get um, something actually shot on video that's why it looks so similar yeah yes exactly um they used older video equipment it's this like depressed um this depressed area in like rural Michigan um there's snow mountains of snow everywhere they have that midwest like steel sky that like gray sky that like i grew up with um and uh in a lot of shots and then that yellowy color the yellowy light transfer that you get in a real vhs tape um from light sources security lights and street lights and stuff uh, especially at night, it's just like it's undeniable. The texture of this one is so good, and in the party you get to see it because it's they're very focused on like how do we capture this with like natural light sources, um, and it becomes very impressive. And at the party, what ends up happening is they end up letting the beast out because they're fucking around with it because um, they're all macho guys who are like, oh yeah, the. Like, they're celebrating too prematurely, right? They're all macho guys or, you know, incel guys playing at macho, you know, let's say. And um, because they're so poorly trained, um, and the next morning, the, the alarm goes off and they say, oh, who was supposed to be on watch? And they, you know, nobody was at their, their proper post. Um, everyone just kind of fucking was sleeping off their hangover. They get outside the, the, the um, barn where they're keeping the abomination. And one of the guys gets on the 50 caliber machine gun, like the technical in the back of the, the truck, and starts lighting up the compound. But because it's a 50 caliber and he has no training, it, and it's a full automatic, it sways wildly and takes out a couple of the guys, um, so a couple of the Nazis. And one of the guys has to stand behind him with his handgun and just fucking put him down because this guy has gone like berserker mode. <laughs> and like you have to make him stop shooting the 50 caliber machine gun or he's going to kill all of them. And like that moment, I think, is like really believable and creepy. This moment of like conscious friendly fire where no one is questioning what's going yeah. on. But this conscious friendly fire where you're like, this guy has fucking lost it. Like... He is he has done more damage than we can we can you know surmise like we need to get him off of this machine gun before he kills more people on our side. Um, then they all try and muster up the strength to go in the barn and kill the 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 abomination, and it's just this incompetence where they're like there there's no they're like sort of playing at watching their corners, but nobody's watching each other's back. Even the leader is like charging up the ladder blindly while like his guys are downstairs like nobody is watching each other Ugh, it's it's so good and then the leader gets injured um because he gets friendly fired um <laughs> he gets put in the cell and then one of the vampires i believe in a conscious act blows himself up he opens up the shutters um to let the light in which de destroys what is left of the compound and kills all of them and I wonder about that final act, to go back to the theme I was talking about earlier, like, I wonder in that final act, like, was the abomination, like, what level of sentience do they have? And what level is was, was this abomination just like, I just want vengeance. Like, I just want these fucking white supremacists dead. And then I'm done. And then I don't want to be alive anymore. Um, because he opens up the shutters consciously in a way that I can't interpret as a mistake. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so goddamn good. Oh, it's so it's so, it's so good. I I don't know why this one got like kind of mixed reviews. I think over time people will be like, 
uh, the, the segment. Um, I think over time people will be like, oh, what he did here was really great. The look of it is undeniable. It's, so, it's very it, much like the Storm Draymond. The look of it is undeniable. Yeah, it's so good. I think it's just because, like, remember, this is 2021. I think there's a... There, I think if this had come out, this segment specifically had come out in a horror movie in 2016, 2017, it would have felt good. I think it just feels maybe late in a way that's not a fair judge or, like, didn't affect my viewing of it too. Um to the like gun militia Christian nationalist fascist uh, thing just because I remember seeing people like go oh yeah like who cares about this like we're sick of these guys we finally got them out of the White House or whatever um, so that's I, I think that's what it is and I think you're right Peter like it's a great segment with a a monster that's truly difficult for me to look at so yeah it's really want to move on to uh, VHS 99 let's do it all right Pete, VHS 99. VHS 99, which they did... came with a special announcement, Aaron. Yeah, there's going to be more. VHS 85. I know, yeah. we found out that we're not done. We're done here. We're done for this spooktacular, but we do have a reason to come back to the VHS well uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, we're going to go, I mean, uh, uh, Limp Biscuit was king. Well, okay. Why do K was a huge concern? Yeah, if I was going to rank all the bands, number one with a bullet, Limp Biscuit. Number two. Oh, yeah. Are you doing Family Values first? Family (laughs) Values tour ranked? Uh, Yeah, you got to rank them. Because otherwise, how would you know what's good and what's bad? Yeah, let's let's. I know we're gonna rank twenty one segments, but in the meantime, we don't have. And this episode isn't long enough. Let's rank all the Limp Biscuit albums from memory, Um, track by track. Oh shit! I, I I could come up with album names. I didn't yeah. really want me to go track by track, track, by track, which I can also do. Yeah, of course you could, but we don't have time for it. But it, we could do it, is what we're saying. Uh, so the the opening segment for this one, Peter, uh, or the the wraparound or the frame, there really isn't one. Uh, they wanted to make this one feel more like a mixtape, like you like was popular in 1999. I guess um, I had mixed feelings about it. Yeah, I mean, the, we, we've talked so much this episode about where the framing devices fall down. I do feel like coming off of 94, which had, uh, which we agreed was the best, was the best uh, framing device and also seemed to be setting up, uh, not that I need a larger universe for the fucking VHS series, but at least like some creepy hints at like, what all this shit means. There's a VHS uh, cult. There's a, yeah. a, a broader conspiracy going on. Yeah. The VHS cult has infiltrated, like, government and police organizations. Yeah, like, and that was that was tantalizing. It was interesting. It's weird that they did this stop-motion thing. But I think, I think we're going to say, like, we were hoping, going into this, that we were going to get another VHS 94 in our hands. And I think, as we're about to talk about, we kind of got a a VHS viral on our hands with the exception of VHS viral had three segments. Two are great. One's not very good. And then a framing device that's miserable. This is pretty close to from a, like a miss to hit ratio. I think it might be the lowest. And also for what it's worth going into VHS viral, I had no expectations. I had, I, I'm not going to say like I over, uh, I, I didn't have high expectations, but yeah, it's coming off of '94, which was which is fantastic. And '94 is, as we'll see at the end of this episode with ranking, '94 is 
uh, contains like some of my favorites in the entire series. Yeah. And as I've said before, it is to me the most consistently good one. Like there's not a dud segment in 94 for me. Even the kind of over the plate one with the funeral um, is like a, an incredible version of a very contained story. You're yeah. right. Oh. 99 is all the ones from 94. Had- I mean, not to tip our hat to every single one from 94 ends up in the top 50% for me. Same, same. I, uh, same. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I'm a little disappointed in 99. Yeah. Except for it does, it does go out really strong. It, it definitely makes you excited for 85 in that in the last segment. Uh it but yeah, it definitely I it, it like I didn't hate it. Uh there wasn't there wasn't a segment where I was like miserable. Uh I think the you know, like even some of the bottom ends of like like when we get to the ranking, like there's a couple of segments that make me miserable. Even the worst segment here I wouldn't put as like I fucking hated that. Weirdly enough, VHS one is is still bottom of the ranking for me, even though it's a movie I still really like. Well, so VHS one has two very high ones and then two of the lowest ones for me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think similar to me, yes. Yeah. So I mean we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I will say, you know, uh and I, I think I watched it first out of us. Which is always – we didn't talk about it at all because it's one of those things where I saw it. I gave it three and a half stars. I'm like, ugh, it's kind of a little bit of a disappointment. But I, I didn't want to, like, say to you, like, oh, I was kind of disappointed by that. Uh, uh, I saw Ryan, who's been doing our Spooktober recaps with us. He gave it three and a half stars. And I'm like, okay. And then, Pete, you watched it a couple days after I did. And that's how you gave it three and a half stars. So I'm like, okay. I mean, we're – we're at least like feeling the same thing because I think I think VHS one, two, and ninety four. I all gave between four and five stars too. I think I gave VHS viral. I may have bumped it up to four stars in the last watch, but yeah, I felt a little let down by this one. And it's not to say there's not directors in here that I really love, and I I don't quite. It's I don't quite know what it was missing. I was there's part of me that was kind of hoping it really leaned into its ninety nine concept a little bit and did use it as an opportunity to do found footage type horror stuff on the new millennium there's a lot of stuff going on i mean all of us just watched a couple different woodstock 99 documentaries there's the y2k stuff there's you know the the, a, a lot of things that felt like if you were doing a 99 segment in the same way i thought that the 94 segment while not being like overly this is the 90s I did feel like the local news stuff and even it had a it had a sense of it being of an era, I think, a little more. Uh, and part of it is because, as we talked about extensively, it felt like it was it was the first one that was really shot on actual VHS. Uh, and this one just feels like, again, they, they set it up as a mixtape tape to be representative of the era, which is why it has no framing device. And that is what it kind of feels like. It feels like disconnected found footage segments. I think Shredding, Ozzy's Dungeon, and uh, the Gawkers all feel like they're, you know, millennium era, like they've got like very specific sort of aesthetic. I think the Gawk- I think the Gawkers is the, is the one that does. I think Ozzy's Dungeon is uh, much more 80s. Like it's, it would be, it's double it would be dare. early 90s, like guts. Double yeah, d- Dare. D- Double Dare was the eighties, though. But you're, but you're talking about, yeah, yeah. But like guts and shit, like the, the all that like era of like 
we're going to make kids run through obstacle courses and then we're going to slime them. That went into like the mid nineties, man. Like actually it went into the late nineties. Um, yeah. It went through my entire childhood, but like that, like sort of like, uh, we're going to make kids go through these gross obstacle courses. Like legends of the hidden temple was late eighties, right? No. So legends of the, so, I mean, I, I was obsessed with Nickelodeon game shows. We'll, we'll probably get into it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, they started in the 80s. Uh, Double Dare started like 87, I think. And then Legends of the Hidden Temple and all those other ones were like early 90s. I'm but seeing I, 90, 93. So, yeah, like, so actually, early, early actually, okay. Ozzy's yeah. Dungeon maybe would be better for like a VHS uh, 90. <laughs> Like, or, yeah, I mean, 94 would have even felt a little more appropriate. You probably watched them all because they used to have this awesome cable channel called Nickelodeon Gas, mm-hmm. where they just re- sports. Yep, where they just reran uh, Nickelodeon game shows. Yep. Uh, yep. So that's, but I, that's I watched I all that, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched that I channel around. in college all the time. It was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the, sp- the specificity of it being in 1999 matters for shredding because shredding is and we can do you want to just get into it um yeah you you want to do shredding yeah yeah shredding is a punk mixtape um and it's it's specifically has the aesthetic of um these like punk collectives who would try and get famous off of doing like stunt and skateboard tapes but also like they they were musicians or they were comedians or they were filmmakers like they had a secondary pursuit but like what they were really trying to do was like get out there I don't give a fuck like Gen X like 90s brand out yeah. there and this one is uh almost it, remi- it very much reminds me of uh, the Mr. Sh- I mean obviously like um, the state did a bunch of parodies of this. Like the yeah. state had like the golf um, segment where they were like parodying extreme golf, and they had that like washed out visuals and extreme like Dutch angles yeah, of like yeah. guys fucking around on golf courses and shit. Uh, it also the the first recall reference for me is um, in Mister Show when they have a bunch of. Uh, older people pretending to be teens. Yeah. They play these damn video games. <laughs> <laughs> and they love their damn video games so much. Like, uh, that that aesthetic, like, was being parodied by the late 90s by sitcom and, and, and yeah. skit crews because MTV had created such a specific sort of aesthetic. And MTV, like, promoted music videos. And, like, MTV never really got into, like, you know, the hardcore and the punk scenes, but in that sense, but like they would promote like stuff with this aesthetic all throughout the nineties. And then kids would emulate that aesthetic and be like, you got to do these crazy camera angles and see what like in camera goofy effects you let's fuck with the contrast to make this all washed out and shitty looking. Um, So yeah, walk, walk through really quickly. Yeah. yeah, This is about a group called rack uh, R A C K. Um, who's like a punk collective and a band and they suck a lot. Um, they're a really shitty band. And, uh, there was a punk collective, uh, that, uh, called the Colony Underground, uh, that, um, operated in like the basement of uh, like an industrial building in some regard. There was a fire. They were apparently all trampled to death, uh, when a fire happened and then, you know, died from the resulting fire. And then they're idea to like get cachet is to jump off of this tragedy um four years later or something jump off of this tragedy and play a show in that basement um so they all go into the basement one of them encore has uh, a hindu belief system um 
that like makes him like get freaked out by this and he's like this is fucked up um i think there's a boot i i, I i'm i'm not sure exactly how to spell it but uh boot is like this like idea that there's like these demonic spirits almost that will like yeah. take possession of bodies um and uh he gets he gets really pissed off all of them are like clowning on each other um we're back to like vhs era where like everybody is a douchebag even their most loved ones um everyone is just like constantly just like exploiting and being shitty to each other and like not giving a shit about each other we're kind of back to that a little bit yeah um for this kind of thing, like, you know, that could be, like, a way to start it. Like, oh, he broke his arm skateboarding. But, like, by the end, I, I want, like, some sort of relationship so it actually matters when these people get chopped up. Yeah. Anyways, they piss off the ghosts. Um, the zombies, uh, Anker kind of runs out of there uh, as best as he can um, because he's, he's pissed off and they all, like, kind of are pranking him. Um, it's a very prank-based movie. There's a lot of pranks in this one. Not the gun hacks. Pranks. And hacks. Yeah. A, I guess there's a few hacks, but it's largely pranks. There's some pranks based. and there's some hacks. <laughs> it's a joke only for us. <laughs> um, but uh, he, they, they start playing their their show without encore. Bad move. You're a four, you're a yeah. shitty punk band with a four man collective. Like, uh, they suck um, both as musicians and as people. Um, I can separate the artist from the art here. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and say they're both bad. And say they're both bad. I've separated them into two <laughs> equally shitty files. <laughs> um, so Bitch Cat comes back to life as these ooey gooey, like, yeah. re, um, 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 Return of the Living Dead style punk zombies. And they start taking them apart, mashing them to pieces. It's pretty basic shit. Yeah. Um, and they then pl- they the play end, the instruments with their, with their body parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the one cool twist is that at the end they sort of like take possession of their body parts after tearing them limb from limb and turn yeah. them into into basically do one last show as uh, as as as, uh, as um, bitch cat in the colony underground. It's it's all fairly basic over the plate. Yeah, this I mean this is my least favorite of the five. Yes, I I I, I knew that. It's very low on my rankings generally. Like yeah, this is. Where 94 started out with Storm Drain, which is one of my favorites, period. This one kind of starting out with this, like, with, with like, uh, something that's that's comparable with Amateur Night as an opening for me was was a, a bummer. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so, but, ba- but like, uh, the, 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 the idea of... Okay, so in the first movie, it's a lot of, like, douchebags. Right? There's a lot of, like, frat bros getting torn apart, and you're like, okay, everybody hates frat bros. Like, I don't know, this, like, counterculture, like, punk collective, like, I kind of want some more color there. I want, yeah. I want like, obviously the whole point is, like, they came here to, like, mock the dead, but, like, this should feel like a tragedy to me, and it kind of, it's something that I've tapped on in the show before, like, I tapped on it earlier, like, I actually don't really like slasher movies that much because so many slasher movies are like they don't spend the time to make us invested in the characters and i don't just want a highlight reel of dumb teens getting murdered like it's fine if the like we were talking about earlier we were talking about the hatchet movies and terrifier like they're great sfx reels but like i don't want a single one of the characters to live except for in hatchet i want tony Tony todd to live but (laughs) i don't want a single one of those characters to live but like that's i don't get any joy out of that sort of like nihilistic detachment so I got no, I got nothing here except for the gore at the end is kind of neat. 
Anyways, uh, so my second least favorite is Suicide Bid, uh, which is next. Uh, and it is about uh, a sorority. Uh, and uh, there's all this stuff about her, uh, this this girl at a sorority, or her, a girl freshman in college, who uh, is only picking one sorority for some reason that never ends up mattering. But she makes a huge deal of that at the beginning, that she's, I only want to go to this one. It's very important to me I get in. And, uh, yeah, there's some mean sorority people that tell her the legend of this lady who died um, and is buried. And the your your uh, hazing ritual you need to go through is you're going to go down and, and you're going to go uh, be in her, her grave with her. Is or, it gu- uh, uh, guillotine? Yeah, it is. And it's the whole thing is like the grave is empty because she's gone. So or the, the casket's empty. So you sit in the empty casket for this person that, you know, this legend of the person, this uh, uh, person who killed themselves and uh, and disappear from their grave. And they 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 dig up this grave with dirt and then they put the dirt back on top of it. And then they rig up this bell to sound the alert in case you get scared and you give up and then you can't be in the sorority. They've also put all these uh, these uh, pranks and hacks in the casket and around it. So she uh, classic pranks and hacks, pr- classic pranks and hacks. This, this is, like is I, I, I'm going to pause for a second and just note that, like, this is probably the only one of any of these ever after I've made such a big deal about you don't need to care where the camera is in these things. Who cares? This is probably the only one ever that actually bothered me, Peter, because like. How was there two cameras in this fucking casket that we never see? <laughs> like, it's 1999. Like, you know, they're, I mean, we're not talking about like 80s fucking on your shoulder camcorders, but they still are like the size of your palm at the smallest. And there's two separate angles. Like what? Yeah. At, t- at times it's like a, it's like a be real where it's like filming her face reacting. Yeah. But also it's filming what she's seeing. Yeah, it, the the fact that the segment was so bad and it gave me so much time to go like, shouldn't I see one of these cameras every time they cut to another one? And how would it fit in the first place was mildly frustrating. But anyways, uh, so yeah, so she, they they do a couple things and she's like, I'm not scared, I'm not scared. They release spiders. She's like, fuck it, I'm out. And she pulls the, um, pulls the bell, but they don't let her out. They don't come and dig her up. But meanwhile, it starts to pour rain and the cops come. And so the bell gets dislodged, and all of a sudden, um, while they have the uh, – they didn't fill the dirt all the way back to the top, to the ground level, uh, but mud is now pouring in, and it's so loud, no one can hear her screaming for help. So then she's stuck in the casket, and at the end of it, um, the there is like a, a monster, a, a zombie skeleton that breaks through, breaks through the grave and scares her um, – the only part of this I liked, and maybe that's just because I've, I've become uh, maybe a vindictive person with people that have committed terrible wrongs, like these sorority people. Uh, the only part I liked was the twist at the end, where instead of dying in the grave, she made a deal with this this demon ghost uh, zombie thing to give up, to save her life for uh, killing all five of these other sorority uh, sisters so they wake up suddenly within in their own graves and scream and cut cut to black or cut I to like, static I, 
It sounds like I liked it more than you, um, and that was because this is one of the few segments that actually scared me. Um, the spider, I, the, the spider part, and the, I agree with that. They did have some scary stuff in there. Yeah, um, I haven't seen Buried or Oxygen or some of the. There's been a few movies in recent years that have been about being buried alive, and they're very much focused on like you're in you're in the casket, like most of the movie, if not all the movie. Um, I haven't seen those movies. I I, I probably should, yeah, especially Oxygen. I, I have I haven't either. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but uh, the glass cross on the coffin, like, I, I don't know. I feel like they did a really good job of making you feel, especially with sound effects, making you feel like you're in the box. I also, like... Oh, see, I actually thought they did a terrible job. Well, that was that was the part that I hated, like, you're in the box. But I... And maybe it was because the two camera angles and the feeling like the camera was so wide back. I actually felt like they did a terrible job of that. No, I, 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 felt, I felt very, very trapped in there. Um... Uh, 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 I thought Guillotine looked very stupid. Also, like, similar to the previous one, just kind of an over-the-plate kind of zombie thing, which you get away with in Creepshow, but I don't really... I, I yeah. don't really let you off the hook for that in this kind of movie. Like, you, you gotta come up with a cool... A cool yeah, what was that design. first Creepshow segment that's like, okay, well, it's a cool zombie design. It's like... Yeah, Father's Day. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 I um I I, I have my issue I have my issues with it. I ranked it. A, a, it sounds like higher than you. Yeah. I did, even though I I don't uh, really care about um, sorority and fraternity culture, and I think it's kind of silly to still be trapped in that uh, nowadays. Um, because I know a lot of people. Well, this was like, 1999. This isn't nowadays. People. Oh yeah, so they, they didn't know. Um, yeah. But. Um, how would they know? They had just seen Animal Yeah, the House. bully documentary hadn't come out yeah. yet. I know a lot of people, uh, like, I have friends that, like, had a good time with, like, uh, Greek life and shit in college. But, like, I, I, na- I, like, I understand how, like, freshman year you can feel this dumb pressure to, like, uh, this is the way, this is the way that I will have a social life going forward. This is how I'm going to get a partner. Like, I, I got, I uh, at least could identify with, with the lead Lily in this for long enough to have sympathy for her. The next one we're going to probably talk about a lot because it's the weird. This is the weirdest one in VHS history for sure, right? Yeah, I think it's true. Though, uh, yeah, <laughs> just even the performances don't feel like they're from the same planet. As... Yes, and this is definitely one that feels like it was shot on VHS again. This is one that I'm very, very mixed on. Where I mixed on it too. I feel like I love the beginning and I love the ending and I hate the middle. The middle, I do not understand. So Flying Lotus uh, is a musician who I actually really like his music. Uh, yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. His music's good. Sort of electronica sometimes, hip-hop other times. Like it, Sometimes it's, it's a little bit more in the experimental realm. Um, and he uh, wrote this one called Ozzy's Dungeon. As we sort of hinted earlier, Ozzy's Dungeon is a... It begins as just like you're watching a tape of a TV show. Um, it's like a Legends of the Hidden Temple, Double Dare. Guts, it's double dare. very much double. I mean, I my daughter and I were watching the revamped Double Dare, which made me realize like how much this ending thing where they get the flags and they go through these stupid little like gross things. I mean, that's just a straight rip off of Double Dare's ending. The, true, true. But the Legends of the Hidden Temple part is that yeah, Ozzy's dungeon part where Correct. Like, there's there's an entire there's sort Omec. of like there's an Omec. There's Omec. Yeah. Yes, there's an adventurism. Like if you get in here, uh, if you pass all these tests, if you get in here, we'll grant all your wishes. And I don't remember if like the kids won like a vacation to Cancun. Well, or they they get a oh you mean in the real one. In uh, Legends of the no, Temple they got, Double Dare. They probably. definitely did not get a vacation to Cancun. They got something very cheap. Oh, okay, got that, it. That seemed awesome if you were eight. 
Yeah, I, I I don't even fucking remember. All I remember is some of these games. I I was actually like a part of, once I I grew to like be about ten to twelve. Like I started hitting game shows for some irrational reason that I don't really want to get into. Oh, it's weird. Um, it's, I can't watch game shows now. Even if I'm in like really? a waiting room, if I'm in like a waiting room somewhere, I can't even watch like Jeopardy. I Were you on Aussie's Dungeon? <laughs> yeah you can't why. watch I jeopardy actually, jeopardy is one of the few things i tivo <laughs> i yeah I, listen you, you just said a I lot don't want, of words at me that, i don't i don't want to get into it but this is you're a geriatric millennial i'm baby millennial okay? yeah but did irrationally i'm just, I'm just a 32 year old baby i mean people can like jeopardy of all ages peter I'm, I'm obviously, I'm admitting it's irrational and weird. I, I, I'm defending it. Yeah, you're a weird dude sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh. Listen, as long as I'm not a rude dude with a two. Oh, yeah. Don't be a rude I'm dude. Okay. They kidnapped the president or whatever. <laughs> so, okay. So here's my problem with the Flying Lotus segment. Actually, let's get into the, what works here. At first, this like. And I love, I like the beginning. The plot. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the beginning works great. <clears throat> it's like, it's like daily. A, it's like a Nickelodeon game show in a hell dimension where like. It, or like in a Paul Verhoeven dimension. Where people's, like, so they're they're going through a intestinal track of some sort of, like, massive cosmic beast, but it's all laid out like it's a kid's show, right? Like, yeah. it's like, a, it's like... It's like tubes and and, and polystyrene and like and like uh, uh, slides and jello and it's it's like it's supposed to be symbolizing that you're moving through the the, the bowels of this disgusting massive monster, but it's all laid out in sort of a kitty show well, and, manner. And, and there's a host who's um, well, and the grand psycho- prize isn't like a BMX; it's a wish. You can make any wish you want. Yeah, yeah which strange prize. <laughs> and I believe that we find out that. Nobody has ever gotten to the wish. Correct. And that there was one kid who almost got close. Yeah. But also so, people are getting hurt in a way that they would, of course, never get hurt on a fucking UFC, let alone a kid's game show. And that's why it reminds me like of a Paul Verhoeven type situation where like gore and being maimed and stuff like that is just part of the part of the risk you're taking by doing this endeavor. So our kind of main character girl who's competing that we see her parents, she gets her fucking leg ripped off and everyone's like, oh, sorry, you lost the competition. Bad hustle. She can get there in 60 seconds. Or yeah. Whatever. Which is, which again, is very much of that like Repo Man 80s aesthetic uh, of like literally li- life is meaningless. Absolutely. We're not, it's like not even totally clear like why, why everybody can just like their limbs can just snap and like their eyes can fall out. Like it's not totally clear what's going on with this game that people are basically just being turned into pulp. Yeah. Um, and the, and the host is like throwing cruelties at each other. The main girl, her name is, is it Donna? Yeah. Donna, the main, the main girl is, I don't know, let's say 12, 14, 14. She's like comes on. She's all pumped. She's just like super excited in a way that's like very charming. And then the the they're like we drove all the way from Detroit to to Florida, um, and the host is like, "What's the matter? Too poor to fly or whatever?" And like the studio audience like laughs and claps. Like the the host is doing sort of like cruelty that like you Mark Summers would never. Mark Summers would never. You know, no. Uh, Mark Summers wishes. He could say something half as cruel as what this host is saying. No, Mark Summers' jokes were all terrible. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would, like, pause there for just a half a second to be like, you got that, right? That's, oh, you're not laughing because you didn't catch up in time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, hi. Anyways, can I go through the slime pit anyways? Um, so uh, the, Donna loses everybody. You know, nobody makes it to the end. Cut to the host has been kidnapped. He is in a shitty garage recreation of the set. Yeah. But instead of fake feces there's real feces instead of like slime there's like broken bottles like it's like a shitty like it's like a shitty like purposefully cruel saw version of this the host is holding a bottle of like neon green acid and yeah. we watch it dissolve styrofoam in live in, in live action like it it'll melt the face off of you and the host is terrified and he's the hostage and he has to crawl through the set that donna has to he makes it through in time, but they're still like, nope, you didn't make it. Like, they just kind of arbitrarily tell me you didn't make it. And then he's like, fine, I will take you to Ozzy's Dungeon. And what we're finding out here is that Ozzy's Dungeon was not like a TV show that was being super cheap with the guests. In this world, Ozzy's Dungeon is like a real mystical thing. Like, Ozzy's Dungeon has real Yeah, they like power, build a game show on top much. of a Hellmouth to use like. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and uh, so they go there, and they get inside this cave structure. There's a buff woman that just is living there. Um, she's yeah. What you thought? What you thought she was in costume? Because she was in the the original video. She's sort of a Hercules like yeah. figure. Yeah, she's yeah. like a body, but, but she's actually the. When they go back, she's still there. Yeah, so you find it like she has some sort of mystical connection because it's like two a.m. and there's like armed guards watching yeah. the area. And they stop shooting the show, but obviously the. The building and everything's still there. Yes, they keep the studio intact. And they get into the cave, and they see an old contestant just running aimlessly through the cave. So you also get the sense that the caves are labyrinthine. Yeah. Like you, can't, you can't get out of the caves. Um, and they get into a room, and there is a woman laying on a flat bed platform. There's worshippers that have all weird fucked up faces. Donna gets to go up and give her wish. And then a cosmic horror lovecraftian demon pops out of the womb of the woman and starts like lasering all everybody's faces off yeah. and then we turn to donna whose face is just like smiling yeah clearly this was her wish and this the segment bothers me because like at first i was like oh this is fun this is like because uh, flying lotus is like i think one of flying lotus's uh record producers is literally adult swim flying lotus has a relationship with adult swim and it very much is like that sort of like provocateur kind of adult swim thing where like i'm not just going to throw away what the rules of comedy are i'm going to throw away all the rules of good taste i'm going to really stretch yeah. how far we can go and tim and eric would usually make that funny yeah not always but like tim and eric's batting average is pretty damn good yeah in this, the the problem is like particularly Donna's ma parents in this are doing this sort of maximalist, screamy, non professional actor performance. Yeah, that I never, I never found it funny or scary. I was just sort of like baffled at what the purpose of it was. Yeah, and it felt like somebody that was doing an imitation of that era of Adult Swim, like somebody was doing an imitation of what Adult Swim was doing ten or fifteen years ago. Well, ultimately, I think also part of the problem is that, like, I really liked the you know again, Double Dare in a weird Lovecraftian Hellmouth cult. Great, love that. Yeah, that's bizarre. 
That's weird. That's like exactly what these types of movies are good at. The 15 minute detour into make the host who they've kidnapped later go through shit for some reason while she holds a glowing bottle of of acid and everyone screams at each other in this like gross basement is like it's not fun. It's not funny. It's not actually it's not advancing the story like you could have done it where they there's a scene of them kidnapping the host years later and they take and like you would have lost absolutely nothing like it's it's what's made me avoid what's that movie Kuso or whatever where yeah. it's just like yeah there's some cool stuff in there but like at some point you're just wallowing in misery too like in gross and filth in a way that like isn't fun not funny doesn't seem to serve a purpose besides just like yeah like uh like a taking a shit in your hand and holding it out to get a reaction from someone and like that that was my feeling of the middle section too so like yeah i love the beginning i love the ending too where you realize this this set's still been around and like how much weirder everything is than you expected and uh you know this person's like true pain of being like um uh, a baby or whatever or, or, or the subject of guilt from her family has actually been her family not the not the game show and her family that made her do the game show in the in the over the hell mount in the first place like oh that's great I, I it's not that i dislike it i do i would come down positive on it but i would also say like hey i don't know if you're watching it a second time skip fast forward through the 15 minutes in the middle because there's serves no point adds to nothing yeah i just i think you 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 nailed it and we could probably move on the the whole taking a shit in your hand and then holding it up and going um hey look what i did isn't this provocative uh that kind of is how i feel about the middle section i'm like yeah this grossed me out but like i'm not laughing and i'm not scared i'm just like I'm devoid of it's devoid of purpose. Yeah, at least give me than, like Salo. Salo's gross as shit, but it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. Like, it's an yeah. anti-fascist statement. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't um I don't have I don't have okay. much. Uh, yeah, let's go to Gawker's I, then. I, I, yeah, I, I like I, I agree with you on what you just said there. Let's let's move to Gawker's. Yeah. Uh, Gawker's is also not very good. I did appreciate. I said you I know like Gawker's okay. I, I like Gawker's. Okay. It it is on when we go through my rankings. It is on the border between I don't really like this and okay to good for me um there's parts of it i like uh i did like that this was the only one that tried to be like let's touch on what life is like in 99 webcabs are new everyone has stupid shorts and they listen to you know post grunge shit um (laughs) most of gawkers is about what it what was it like to be a shithead in southern california in 1999 what was it like to be the biggest douchebag in the world in 1999 i think the problem with that which we've talked i've talked about for the first unfriended i've talked about it for even earlier segments here is that you as in a found footage movie if you are hanging out with the most annoying douchebags of all time whether it's for a purpose or not, you're still hanging out with the most annoying douchebags of all time. So yeah, I get to see them get killed in a cool way. I like them. So essentially they're watching this girl and they convince that there's one of their younger brothers is kind of friendly with this, you know, hot girl next door and she's setting up a web camera and they convince him to set it up so that they can see the feet of her changing to see a naked girl and uh, when they do, they realize that uh, they do. She does do all that stuff. They realize that uh, she's not a girl. She's Medusa. 
and then she knows she's being watched and comes over and kills everyone and turns everyone to stone. Basic, which is fine, not not overly complicated. The twist that it's Medusa, not and and uh, you know that was sort of telegraphed a little bit by all the stone boys or whatever in her in her yard and people zooming in a camera and going, where did they get those 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 new statues? Like Maybe she's I, like a European uh, weird sex. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that that's where this was going. So like it, it telegraphed it a little bit too much too. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you still have to hang out with just the most annoying people for a long time and so it's like good i'm i guess i'm glad they're dead yeah i think this is uh the way that the to view this is um this is amateur night but you don't have to sit through uh, a bunch of rape before you yeah it's like horny 15 year olds instead of rapists yeah these are the people that um, grow up to be rapists they have yes exactly they're they're pre-rapists um they're like you know the precogs would be like get these guys out of here all right we and the guy and then the guy when when the the the, the, when tom cruise shows up to their door they're like yeah you got us there we were definitely (laughs) oh yeah we were gonna we do not we don't have a healthy respect of women no we were not we we were we're like almost ready to go to college like we were gonna do some really bad stuff there thank you Uh, um Get me but past to me, this it's amateur face. night. But instead, you see a voyeuristic violation of a woman's consent. Yeah. Um, at which lasts like thirty seconds. She's not in the room for it. Like, if you're gonna do this type of story, like where it's about like a woman getting revenge for bi- a bodily violation, I prefer it to be this way rather than oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that's violated. why. Like I said, then, it, uh, it's it's on and, the and border she does between some fucked up cool kills. At the yeah. End. It's on the border between uh, I don't like it and this is okay for me. Um, and I, I think you you summed up why perfectly. Like, it's yeah. not as odious uh, as an amateur night. It's also, like, not that interesting in any it's way. It's amateur night in a way that I actually would want to watch this one again. It's a Pete night. It's a Pete night. All right. Uh, to hell and back. Let's get to the, yeah, the, the all-timer here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one, I didn't even mention the director in the last one because uh, I haven't seen Tyler McIntyre's films. Uh, this is super fun, Aaron. Like, this couple, uh, Vanessa and Joseph Winter. Yeah, who, um, who we'll be talking about next week. When, yes, When we do yes. our our, uh, our Spooktober wrap-up. Yes, yes. Um, they are a uh, husband and wife directing duo who are having quite a fucking month because they got to be the best segment in VHS 99, which we're going to talk about into hell and back. But they also got to be in Deadstream, which was a movie that just came to, to um, Shudder. Yeah. It is now like a, already a certified cult classic. And it's one of those movies that you watch. We've, we've already discussed it. We'll discuss it again. It's one of those movies that you watch the first five minutes and you're like, I can't fucking take any more of this fucking dude. Uh, and then 20 or 30 minutes in, you're like, oh, I get it. I get why they're doing this. And then the rest of the time is like an Evil Dead style, just manic, crazy splatterhouse movie. It's so fun. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I so, love it. Uh, yeah. So they, uh, they're, they, this is really fun. They're in just like a suburban house's uh, basement. There's a satanic cult. Uh, you see a grandma wearing um, 2000 glasses. Um, one of the, probably the best shot in the movie is that grandma wearing the 2000 glasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, instant flashback to, you know, uh, back then when that was like a coveted item. Um, and, uh, at the stroke of midnight, the satanic crew is going to, 
um, raise a demon called Ukuban from the dead and then put it inside of a willing participant um, who's like an adult woman that looks like any of our moms like <laughs> yeah she's got like a like a dorky denim kind of outfit like extremely the best 90s outfit in the whole movie i would say the what they're starting the ritual then uh we see this flash of this uninvited demon yeah Furcus. yeah <laughs> and they're all like and they're all like it's like swiper from dora they're like Furcus, get the fuck out of here and uh, they do yeah. a ritual to banish Furcus. yeah but who do they take with them but their their videographer crew? Yeah. Like the boom mic guy and the videographer. Yeah. Um, the videographer is played by Joseph Winter, who's also like the co-director. Um, and then the um sound guy is is not is not in that family, but he's like very funny. He's mostly the face for this entire segment. Um these they get sent back to hell or sent to hell along with this Furcus guy. Yeah. Um, and uh it's rad i know that they probably just found a really cool slot canyon series of slot canyons in probably southern california and like shot at night and then put like fake lightning effects in or giant demons on a a budget yeah fucking rules Rules. yes red lightning happens and you'll see flashes of big like chernabog level demons in the background and then what's better than that is every corner they turn in hell has a weird little like um like a weekend project for Screaming Mad George, like weird little freak, like a weird little freaky dude who likes to get his freaks on. Yeah, up to and including like a literal weird little freaky dude. Uh, yes, who he steals a trident from. Yeah. <laughs> so they start battling with like demons in hell, but they're both kind of cowards, right? Yeah. And they eventually, they eventually, for some reason, find the favor of a demon um, named Mabel. Um, who is like, is like, talks like this. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, that, that was in the feeding grounds. Like, she's kind <laughs> of like a more demented version of like, uh, of like a hocus pocus villain. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> right. Like it's, it is like a, I think it's, it's supposed to be a joke and it's a joke I find very funny. Like she's yeah. overacting. She's being a, like, she's pumped. She's to be being a theater actor. Who's a demon. <laughs> basically yeah mabel is and mabel is pumped to be in hell yeah and, Mab- and mabel's like i hate ukupan but like i'll take you to yeah. yeah um i love that she just hates the guy they're trying to summon and it's just like a fun quick little jaunt through hell there's no like development here it's just that they make it through hell they're arguing with each other they have very funny exchanges it's very much reminds me of Deadstream, just like compacted um, Mabel, also the actor who plays Mabel, she is also in Deadstream, which is really cool. So oh, watch yeah. out for her. Um, and they eventually find Ukuban. Ukuban is in a weird, fucked up, like, ritual cave. And their idea is to jump onto Ukuban the moment that they, um, the group is trying to summon souls back to Earth. And they could say, well, if we kind of hitchhiked down here, we can hitchhike on our way back up. Yep. And they do that. Uh, well, hold on. But they, Mabel but, has said, hey, write, you know, oh, they summoned you with a witch's book. I'll take you. You have to write my name in blood in that book. Yeah. Because that's because that's like her. That's the way to honor her. And so they uh, they say, cool, whatever. And, and uh, Joseph Winner's uh, character falls in love with Mabel a little bit. Um and Mabel gets uh, smashed up in hell as they are jumping onto Ukuban. Ukuban is a big sort of like ogre, but yeah. with a 
shark tooth stomach kind of thing. Um, that and uh, one of them grabs onto Ukuban, and the cameraman Joseph Winter goes through Ukuban's stomach. Yeah, into a black void. They end up back on Earth. No, Noah, I want to say the friend. He ends up in the um in the the sacrifices body and then joseph winter just i think ends up back in his own body or something it's hard Um, well what since they're showing the video camera all we know is that one person ends up in the wrong body and then all of the coven is like fuck it we fucked it up and they kill them and they start slashing them up and everybody gets involved it's very funny because they're all just kind of like oh no yeah because they made it back they made it back through hell only to be like ah shit yeah and the final shot is um but yeah is the videographer the dying thing he does he writes maple's name in blood on the book which is a great just a little yeah. this is this is the only segment from the movie i would rate in the great tier 100 percent. and for what it's worth i've read a lot of letterbox reviews unlike some of the vhs movies this is like a safe haven where everyone basically agrees this is the best one which is good. I actually read a bunch of reviews also, and I, I, I'm 94, a bunch of people disagreed. Like, a lot of people like, Terror kind of sucks. And as you'll see, yeah. I think Terror very much non-sucks. Yeah. Um, uh, very but, much uh, non-sucks, my dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is one where, like, I was reading a bunch of reviews and everyone was on the same page. Like, it's like, three, three and a half star movie, still worth watching if you're a fan of the series. Yeah, I'm still but, in like, for 85 it, to Helen back all-timer. To hell and back, all timer. Some really good effects and monster effects, and some of the other ones. But it's it, it's there's the flying lotus one should have been a slam dunk. Really glad they gave him the money, but like not again. No, this no. is not. We're not. This is not a Timo situation. It's not a Timo situation where like he can come back whenever he wants and do whatever he wants. No, not without an editor. All right, yeah. No. So let's go through them. We'll go. We'll go top. We'll go bottom to top, and let's also call out where our list goes from. We'll, just to make it yes. simple, let's do it where it goes from. Don't like, and don't like can be like, like doesn't need to be hate, but just like, you know, I'm. I would never seek this out to show a friend. Too good, too great, and then obviously it'll be clear for like our top three. What our all time top three or four? What our all timers are. Yeah, yeah, actually, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did that as well. Um, I have three tiers, which is great. Next tier is good. Great. And the third tier is no thanks. Okay, fine. So let's, so we'll go, we'll go, we'll start with 21, which is for me, I'll call out when it goes from no thanks to good. Um, but my first number 21, no thanks is second honeymoon. Second honeymoon, twenty one. Wow, 20, are we gonna have book? Are we gonna have bookends? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Number twenty, no thanks. Amateur night. Uh, that's my nineteen. Uh, my twenty is Dante the Great. Okay, well we're we're gonna it's, get there. It's bare. Uh, it almost got twenty one purely because they break all the found footage rules. <laughs> uh, second honeymoon is just so bad though. At least at least the concept of. Of Dante the Great could be good, where second the concept of second honeymoon is what if a girl likes a lady, um, but <laughs> not her husband. If you think about yeah. it, you know, like yeah. oh, what if, if you think about it, if you think about it, what if a a pasty white guy didn't hold the attractions of a cute woman? By the way, hold on, we didn't talk about this in our early segment. Um, the 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 lady in second honeymoon is um. It's a fucking horror director. It's Sophia Takal plays Stephanie. 
So like Always Shine and the Black Black Christmas remake. Oh, okay, and okay. New Year to you. Great. I'm glad she's uh, directing and not starring in the worst Ty West stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, that that they've been able to move on. All right, so what's num- your 19? Number 19. No thanks. Shredding. Uh, number 18 for me is shredding. What's your 18? <laughs> Dante the Great. <laughs> Hey, our 18 through 21 are, are all, all the same. Uh, I'm still is your 17, does your 17 start the good tier or do you have no, any more? No, 17 no is still a no thanks for me. Oh, what do you got? Suicide bid. Um, I put suicide bid into the, into the good tier. I ranked it. It ranked right. it a so, little so, higher. So wait, so is your 17 uh, good? My 17 is good. Okay. Phase one clinical trials. Okay. Uh, my 16, I said this was on the border. I'm going to, I'm going to be generous it is Christmas, after all. Um, <laughs> and I'll go good, but on the bottom end of good. Uh, my number 16 is uh, The Gawkers. Um, that is my 15, but my 16 <laughs> is A Sick Thing That Happened to Emily. Oh, my gosh. You're going to be surprised where that one ends up for me. Um, my number 15, still good, Phase 1 Clinical Trials. Yeah, I uh, was going to say, we're, we're in a similar range, yep. except for for Emily. Uh, my 15 is Gawkers. What's your 14? My 14, still good. Getting better, I would say. Uh, <laughs> we're getting, we're we're getting, getting better over here. Yeah, uh, uh, Tuesday the 17th. Uh, I have that higher than that. Mine is Parallel Monsters for okay, 14. man, we're really not. Our tops are going to look very different. All right. Uh, my number 13, A Ride in the Park. Hey, that's my 13, too. <laughs> Great, we got, we got, yeah, we got bottom. I think we're gonna have top, and we have almost exactly the middle. Um, you do not have time for me to make jokes about literally anything you just said. Great, um, we're bottoms, we're tops, we're in the middle. Um, my number twelve, uh, still good. Mm-hmm. Ozzy's dungeon. Uh, my twelve, uh, suicide bit, okay. still good. Uh, my number eleven, still good. This is starting to border. I'm. I, I have trouble where to say great. I think it's actually going to yeah. be the next one. But my number 11, which is good, bordering on great, is The Empty Wake. Um, Yeah, I, I have Empty Wake higher. My number 11 is Tuesday the 17th. My number 10, which I think I'm going to go with great. I think 1 through 10 are all things that I just, I love. So I'm going to go great. Obviously, the higher it goes up on the 10 to 1, the more I love it. But I'm still going to start my great at 10, and that's uh, 10 is Bone Storm. Ah, okay. My ten is Ozzy's Dungeon, um, and I have Bone Storm right above. Are that. you? What do you do? Where are you starting? Great at ten or no? Are you still good? I'm starting great. I'm gonna start great at nine. Okay. with Bone Storm. Okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start Bone Storm in the great tier. Okay, my number nine. In also, the great- can we talk about really quickly? Yeah. Bonestorm is like a better version of Shredding and the Gawkers because the Bonestorm does have douchebag kids, but the douchebag kids are like are believable, cute and adorable. sometimes funny. Yeah, trying their best. They're, they're trying, they're their, trying best. their best. Yeah. And, then, and I can actually root for them still by the time the monsters show up. Yeah, so number nine, part of the reason I debated where Bone Storm falls is because basically one through nine are all like love loves for me. I mean, I, I, I still rank them and the rankings do mean like Give, give me a gun and have to shoot the masters of each one where I would go. But uh, but I, like, we're getting into there's a reason I love this series. There's nine to ten segments that I just fucking love. And number nine, I love, and it's good, great, which is the subject. 
Yeah, my number nine is uh is Bonestorm. Um, so hit, hit me with your hit me with your eight. Uh, my number eight, which I love, which I know is gonna be higher for you, is Terror. Yeah, Terror so so good. But um, eight is actually um to Hell and Back. Okay. I think honestly, you get up here, man. I know, I know. We're we're apart from the top one. I think you could swap a lot of these. Uh, it was it was tough for me. Um, I I I did try to like give it the. If I had to pick, I only watch one of these for the rest of my life. What do I pick? But but I, I agree. I mean, there's a reason they basically have. I mean, two. Yeah, I mean, you could make you could make some very good compilations of VHS movies. Uh, my number seven, also great. Uh, Ten thirty one ninety eight. So, sorry, was that your? Sorry, you said like three numbers. In a row. Oh, sorry, my number seven. seven. My number seven, seven is ten yes, thirty one ninety eight. It's a great one. Yeah. Great one. I ranked it higher. Um, my seven is Empty Wake. Okay. Empty Wake. Super simple story. Very creepy. Uh, I rank, yeah. Rank, I rank it really high because it, it not only scared me, yep, but I was agreed. also like, it kind of it kind of felt a little bit like an old Tales from the Crypt thing. It did. It, it, is, it is one of the ones on here that actually scared me. And I also think I would make the case that it is the one that is the, um, it's the best of the super simple concepts. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah, uh, I'm there. M- number six. Uh, with a bullet and a ray gun, slumber party alien abduction. Um, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I would disagree because for six, I would have slumber party alien abduction. <laughs> okay, great. That's uh-uh. <laughs> we have little t- little touch points. Go back to that's our base as we go through. Uh, my number five. Uh, this one, honestly, two through five were very were the toughest for me. I could easily convince my five is a four or three, even a two. But my number five is actually Storm Drain. No, my number five, you hate to hear it, but it's Storm Drain. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Wait, have you said a ride in the park? I didn't know ride in the park was going to be so high for you. It was 13. Oh, okay. We we matched on ride in the park. Oh, I thought there was one that, um, well, I guess we'll see. Never mind. Um, number four. We both have twenty-one. <laughs> Don't worry. Number four. <laughs> parallel monsters. Uh, do you like parallel monsters? You don't. Uh, You're at sixteen. But uh, I meant for number four. I have the subject from ninety-four. Okay. Uh, That's my my Timo baby. Number three. To hell and back. It's a good one. Ten thirty-one ninety-eight. Okay. Uh, my number two, I think probably the one that and we talked about this earlier in the episode too, where we're the most off on is the one I love to death that you are uh, in the, I think you were in the past on this one. Uh, the sick mm. thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. Uh, that was in my, it was in my good tier. It's just it, it, the, the, the amount that they packed into the, the amount of incident they packed in just, it didn't work for me. I, I, I. That's, it, but it's hard to get that mystery mix right for people. Yeah, right? I like, get it. Yeah, it, it's either it, too it got too me, much space yeah, or not enough yeah, space. It got me both times I've seen, or every time I've seen, I just love it. It's conceptually really, really fun, yeah. and also like shit, man. Like Joe Swanberg did that. Yeah, are you serious? Um, Finally, something good and not something that I have to pretend I like because for some reason <laughs> every publication gives it four out of five stars or something. Like, was that yeah, a happy Joe's- Christmas? I didn't think that was very good. Oh, what's that drinking yeah. buddies? Okay, yeah, there was a funny line. That's five. Yeah. It's one of the best of the year. Okay, all right. Joe Swanberg movies are um, only to be enjoyed uh, on a um, futon. Yeah, by in the by the people that wrote girl right that for. you are yeah. apartment and a girl that you're not sure if you want to keep dating or you're not sure if you want to date to begin yeah. with. Uh, 
all the writers from the AV Club and the Dissolve from 2012 to 2014 were having some real <laughs> problems in their lives when they gave those, those movies good ratings. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, hold on. What you needed to do was just like have the mumblecore thing for like five minutes and then kill all those people. Yeah. That's what you needed. Yeah. Um, my number two is terror. Okay. And number one, oh. unsurprising for anyone, uh, is, is Safe Haven. Maybe the oh, best. I was going to say the framing device for VHS one is my, my favorite. Oh yeah. You have Safe Haven? I do have Safe Haven. I don't even think I watched that one. Uh, it's pretty good. It has uh, less incidents of, of, of violation. <laughs> and, it, and it's about the world coming to an end through demons. God, Safe Haven is obviously the number one. Probably, yeah, probably the best. For like six I mean, yeah. years? I know. It's, six years? It's, I mean, it is the best anthology. It's the best anthology horror segment of all time. I think it would be tough to to pass I, it's just amazing. every time i watch it i'm like is this gonna feel like edgelord bullshit is this gonna feel cheap is it gonna feel rote has 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 movies come so far that what what once seemed unique seems somewhat standard and no like there's still nothing like safe Haven. i like for instance i really like gareth evans who co-directed it i really like his movie apostle however yeah. When I watched Apostle, I was like, why wasn't this why a wasn't this safe, safe I know, why wasn't this safe haven? <laughs> I mean, and just take the I last movie, 10 minutes and make it 50 minutes. Like, if, if you could, if you get half as creative, yeah. just have, have him, instead of just running through the compound, he runs through towns, cities, the United States, goes around the world, around the world in 80 screams. I, I don't care. It was great. Every t- I was watching uh, You've Got Mail, yeah. and I'm like, when are they going to go to the cult compound? Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're watching the wrong movie, Peter. Yeah, I probably should have been watching VHS 2 segments. Or uh, Mar- uh, Martha Macy May Marlene. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really what, are the, what are the odds I got that right? Is it Martha, Martha, Martha Marcy, Marcy May, May Marlene? Marlene? Oh, I did, okay. I think you got it. Yeah. Um. You know what's so fun is how Elizabeth Olsen is a really good actor, yeah. and she was really good in that. And then uh, she didn't get to do anything cool until like parts of Wandavision. Oh, you've never seen Godzilla, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> She's, She's on like, the phone. I'm very a worried. Lot. <laughs> She's on the phone quite a lot in that movie. I'll have you. Oh, I'll have you know. Uh. Yeah. So that's it. That's our. That was fun. That's our VHS spooktacular. Definitely uh, one of our longest episodes. Not our longest, which tells you something. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in November. So in November, we're going to uh, do our uh, next week. You'll hear our recap episode from Spooktober. I can tell you. I think if you added up all three of our numbers, it'll be the highest year yet. Uh, because I think both myself and Ryan are doing, I think all three of us are doing all-timer numbers. So, for ourselves. Uh, I just hit 80, um, which I believe is my highest number for new-to-me movies. Uh, we're going to record this, we're recording this on the 28th in the evening. Uh, I have 10 minutes left of Demons 2, which will officially be my 124th movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Which is uh, was my goal this year, which was four oh, yeah. uh, four new to me per day over the thirty one days, and I still have a dismember the Alamo Halloween and a whole other week and day in front of me. So, uh, yeah, uh, I genuinely, I genuinely still to this day do not know. I know everybody that's listening that's like, I can only fit in forty or thirty or ten or whatever. Like anybody that did lower than whatever I yeah. ended up with eighty or ninety. Is listening and going, 124 movies, how'd you do that? 
I genuinely do not know how I could squeeze more time out of my life to get another fucking <laughs> 44 movies. In. <laughs> like, every minute of the day, I'm either like, I'm working, yeah, I'm working out, I'm eating, I'm cleaning my house. I would say that I didn't know how I would ever get to 50 when I was doing 40. And once you figure out how to do it, it's really easy. <laughs> and I was, I was, a, I basically had a whole week during the week where I was not getting that much in because I was at, I mean, I had my first, I only had one day where I didn't watch a movie and that was during, uh, during a work trip I had to take. So uh, I could have gotten much higher because I was really starting, uh, starting strong. But yeah. 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 I, I understand that me saying 124. That's sad, actually. You've crossed a line, and it's officially gross and weird. Um, I did 114 like last any, year. Every, every person that I know, even people who are like, I love horror movies, and they're like, how many have you watched? I'm like, 80? They're like, that's that's gross. You're a bad... I th- yeah, I think, it, I think it, those, if, it, if you love it and you make time for it. I also think my entire family just accepting it has really helped. Um. I don't know how much more Molly could accept. Well, that's the thing. I, I used to feel that way. And and it's only gotten more just like completely giving up. Um, uh, anyways. I, yeah. I, I lost some. Okay. I lost I lost a little bit of time going to Mexico where I watched like two. Yeah. That one really. I mean, you could have easily got over 100 if you didn't have that week, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, anyways. We'll so we, yeah, we'll be going through this and more. Talk about where we all ended up. Um next week and then we had since we have three weeks left in november we were debating a few different trilogies that would be fun to do we've done a lot of trilogies that i really love uh and uh peter had the great idea to do the new planet of the apes trilogy which are all three movies i i uh i think i love all of them i mean i even love i was blown away when i saw rise of the planet of the apes in theaters i was just completely impressed how good it was but i feel like we 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 had a lot of movies on the list that were great and i will have like rants about indiana jones or Jurassic park and stuff i feel like the new planet of the apes movies uh occupy a space where they deserve like more cult appreciation yeah they They really more Agree 100%. As soon as I read that one, I'm like, no, let's do that because, A, I do feel like they were all very well received. They did well in the box office and nobody talks about them anymore. Um, they have they have not, I think, held right now their ground as like a great modern uh, blockbuster trilogy and they, they deserve that. And then I also in the last couple of weeks just read they're doing a, a fourth that is a like uh, – uh, a long time after we leave them at the end of the third movie follow-up. So uh, could be good, could be terrible, but at least there's enough interest to do a uh, a reboot of a reboot of a reboot series. Um, so yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War for the Planet of the Apes uh, in November. So we'll, we'll see you there. And if not, uh, uh, get your damn headphones away from your ears, you dirty ape. Is that anything? And if any apes, and if any any apes are listening, um, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. Do you have your own account that's helping our numbers? <laughs> or Can you please like and subscribe. Yeah, there's like a dead. It's like fucking nope. There's like a dead zookeeper next to him, and the the ape has grabbed the headphones just to listen to this part.
<laughs> we actually only have we just got lucky this time apes who have murdered their zookeeper yeah. listening at this point yeah well and and frankly we're we're thankful we're thankful especially during spooktober i mean great oh, yeah. time to murder your zookeeper and put on the headphones with a with a weird grin on your face that i'm only interpreting as a grin because i'm anthropomorphizing yeah. yeah and to them i say this what <laughs> jungle boogie <laughs> get down on it <laughs> <laughs> get down, get down Hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help, and so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs>